Welcome aboard for this Friday, the 28th of July, 2023. Stan the Fan filling in one last time for Glenn Clark. Maybe not one last time in our lives, but one last time on Glenn's vacation. During, Glenn, yes. Glenn will be back on Monday uh, with a whole new week of shows. But just in case you are a Stan the Fan groupie or really like to follow me, I will not be here next Friday. Oh, Stan. Yeah. Griff, I, what? I, I had to take uh, a day off. The Oriole uh, 40th anniversary luncheon. Uh, I mean, I which suppose. Is, which is essentially my 40th anniversary, Yeah, that's true. Too. Yeah. So uh, that was the first year I had my own show on the radio. Haven't had a show on the radio all 40 years, but it still is my 40th anniversary of when I started. Uh, and... Uh, I'd like to see. I wasn't great friends with the players back then during that inaugural season of Stan the Fan on the radio, but I've maintained good relationships with uh, many of the players on that 83 team, most notably probably Dempsey, Tippy, Singleton. Uh, Eddie and I haven't been great friends. The relationship has warmed up a little bit the last couple years that I've seen them. Uh, and, of course, good friends with old-time Orioles, Boog Powell and uh, Brooks Robinson. Was friendly with Mike Flanagan, Scott McGregor. Uh, and, of course, we know that uh, Mike Flanagan uh, is no longer with us. Uh, we are here on this Friday. Let me tell you what we've got on the show today. In about 10, 12 minutes, uh, the one and only Jim Henneman. Uh, still going strong is uh, really one of the best baseball writers in the country. Uh, and he'll come in and talk about, what, 40 years ago? We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about this 2023 run and maybe all the runs in between. And uh, we'll get Mike's uh, uh, Jim's assessment of Mike Elias, the job Mike and Brandon are doing. Uh, and we'll talk about the trade market that's going on at 11 o'clock just off of his um, three-game stint as an Oriole broadcaster uh, a week ago or 10 days ago. Uh, unfortunately, it coincided or collided with a uh, uh, personal tragedy for Mike Devereaux. He lost his brother uh, to the heat out in Arizona. His brother was 61 years old. Mike Devereaux will join us to talk about his assessment of this 2023 club and the job. Now, keep in mind... Mike uh, Griffin was a coach down in spring training for a few days, so he got to see them then, and I'm sure he's watched plenty of games yeah. in between, but then he got to be a little bit more up close with them for three days, and he'll be doing another three games. We'll get the exact dates of that, but he's got another three-game stint coming up. I certainly hope Mike uh, gets more involved with the broadcast. I think he's a good voice, and again – not to not to always bring race into things, but in a city that is 65% African-American, the only voice we get that's African-American is Rob Long in pre and post. Uh, and Rob, of course, does his morning show on 105.7 The Fan. Uh, but anyway, uh, it would be nice to have uh, some diversity in that broadcast booth. Uh, and Mike Devereaux is certainly a knowledgeable baseball man, um, and I know he'd love to come home to Baltimore 
in a more meaningful way than three games here, three games there. He Don't get me wrong. He's thrilled to be asked to do those three games here and there, but he would uh, um, he would cherish the opportunity to really get a meaningful role in these broadcasts. Uh, at 11.20, we'll talk to a former number one pick. Was he a number one pick, Daz Cameron, of the Astros? Uh, in, not he, the number one overall. Yeah, but, but I, I think he might have been like a... Uh, second uh, supplemental yeah, like a, yeah, pick? something like that. Okay, well, Daz Cameron, who's been with the Orioles all season in the minor leagues, will be joining yeah. us 11-20. He yeah, was a supplemental Yeah, he was pick. 37th overall in 2015. Okay. Uh, and his career to date has not kind of panned out the way he had, I'm sure, envisioned it. He's the son of a great, great defensive center fielder, Mike Cameron, who played most of his years. If we're immaculately gritting that, who else did uh, – did he play for Milwaukee and Seattle? Yeah, um, Mike Cameron. I'm not going to tell you. No, he was, was on San Milwaukee. Diego, Boston, Florida. Oh, wow. Yeah, Seattle is on there. San, San Diego is on there. I mean, yeah, he is the Immaculate Milwa- Milwaukee is not in there. Uh, Milwaukee is in there. Yes. Okay. He did have right. two seasons with wow. Milwaukee. Good. I can use him uh, today. <laughs> well, I'm having a hard time on some of those grids. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, think of... You're really trying to scratch your brain, you know, to get those deep You really have to stretch. Cuts. Now, my wife took all my old baseball cards. You ready for this? Yes. That, that, are, that I found out are basically worthless. <laughs> like 85 through 90 tops, boxes of the whole season. She didn't take all those cards. She took a lot of them, and she redid the bathroom in my den. The wall is baseball cards. You don't think I'd cheat a little bit and go over and say, hey, that guy put, you know, to jog my memory. But like yesterday, there was a San Francisco giant St. Louis Cardinal. I got Ray Sadecki left-handed pitcher who pitched for the Cardinals and the Giants, was traded to the Giants for Orlando Cepeda. This is when Willie McCovey was essentially pushing him out of first base, and Cepeda had had a couple knee injuries. Uh, Cepeda ended up uh, finishing up a Hall of Fame career, took the Veterans Committee to put him in, but Orlando Cepeda is a wonderful, wonderful player. Uh, but Ray Sadecki was 0.3%. That's the kind of players you want, you know, on the Immaculate Grid. Yeah. So, yeah. This, is, but this, there this were kind couple, of built for you. There were a couple of yeah. them that were just so – I just couldn't believe I couldn't think of them. And I got St. Louis Cardinal gold glove winner. Well, obviously, the, the one that's the most obvious is, is Ozzie Smith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got. I guess at this point, but I got one under. Uh, I think he was three percent. I got third baseman Ken Boyer, who was kind of the National League's Brooks Robinson. So I got him at three percent, and then man, did I whiff on uh, a St. Louis? Was it? I can't even remember what I whiffed at, but it was uh, it was incredible. Anyway. After Daz Cameron, we still got one more guest to yeah, go. Big show today. Uh, old friend John Battaglia. The Joe Battaglia. Joe Battaglia. Joe. Joe yes. Battaglia. Coach Bats. Right. Coach Bats. Brother. Joe. Joe. He's the head football coach at Concordia Prep. Was Son last of, year his first year? I uh, believe twenty twenty one oh, no, was his first. In, yeah, was his first full season because okay. he took over like like right as the pandemic right. hit is when he it's took Joe over. Battaglia. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, he's created a, a pretty pretty uh, strong force in the MIAA uh, yeah. in the football scene there. Yeah, they have a chance to be pretty good this year. Oh yeah, for sure. They have uh, they they keep they keep adding some talent and they they lose they lose some really good football players every year, but they they build they they're building a. a, a a special football team, football culture over there, uh, okay. right, right across the street off Walker, Lock Raven Boulevard. Right, they're yeah. right around the corner from us here. Yep, you could yes. be going to practice. Yeah, do you think they're practicing now? Um, or they I think they, I think they probably did start practice. Um, uh, let's see, J- July twenty eighth. Um, I, I don't know what it, whatever the rules are. I'm sure they started on day one, so right. I think they're they're probably meeting. They might not be actually practicing uh, quite yet. You know, yeah. All but, right, but yeah, they they got a lot a lot of exciting players still. Right. Keyshawn Mister will be a senior this year. He was might have been their most exciting player last year. No disrespect to any of the other kids on the team, but he, uh, but but he'll be back for his senior year, so it should be exciting. All right, uh, we'll talk to those guests today: Jim Henneman, Mike Devereaux, Daz Cameron, Joe Battaglia. Joe, uh, yes. today on today's show. I will be on with the guys tomorrow. I believe they're returning uh, as normal. Last week they had booked a guest who could only do my time slot, and they asked me if I would give up my time slot. And you said no. I said, uh, what are you talking about? I'm the <laughs> chief grand poobah here. Uh, but, no, I was happy to give give up uh, my time slot and just go out about my business. Hey, we'll let you know that the Tacoma, the Toyota Tacoma, comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer. And uh, since well since since you were last here, uh, one of the one of the one of the pitchers that a lot of Orioles fans have been barking for is now off the board Lucas as well. Giolito yes. and David Robertson. And David Robertson, yeah. yeah. As well as uh, Otani of course is is it's no longer board, is yeah. off the board. I so we I think we were so close to acquiring yeah. him. Yeah. That was uh, such a pipe dream, you know. I love when look, I love the the website mlbtraderumors.com. I love it. You know, I go to it this time of year, I go go to it like probably 10 times a day, maybe 20 times a day, just to see what the latest. But when I read that, that the Orioles are are checking in on Otani, didn't I did, – do you have a tape of what I offered to do? Uh, yeah, you said you would eat the table, I believe. Yeah, yeah. we have a pretty big table <laughs> yes. here. It's made of uh, – I think it's oak. Uh, it's, it's part of the old floor at the Meadow Mill Squash Courts. Right. Uh, our – our grand poobah, our true grand poobah, John Colson got it and envisioned it for what it is. It's a great table for a studio like this. It's kind of like a mini um, conference table, you know, but it's got good width, so we're not on top of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I said that if the Orioles acquired Shohei Otani this, this year, I would eat the table. Slowly, so slowly but surely. It was yeah, never yeah. like I said. Oh, I'll I come eat in and eat it in one foul swoop. You know, like so today kinda, I so could have been bailed out a today. Bit. I could have been munching like right over here. You know, what you we would have been able to use. Got a camera it. to take a picture. Or what yeah. I could have been doing. Yeah, yeah I can. Yeah. If, I can. If that, that's I'm what gonna, you. Want. I'm gonna pretend. I'm gonna pretend that I'm. There we go. All right. There, Put that up. Okay. Put up there on the right. archives. Okay. On the archives. Yeah, the archives. All right. Anyway, yeah. um, your take on what's going on. It looks like the Orioles 
are now a little bit more centering their thoughts. I don't want to get too far into this because Jim will join mm-hmm. us and we'll, right. we'll talk about his assessment of what the Orioles are doing. But I've got two names. Uh, the Orioles appear now to be more inclined to look for a starting pitcher than a, another bullpen arm, and there's a two-pronged process here. I think deep down, and if you remember back at the beginning of the year, I mean, going back to spring training, I thought Tyler Wells was a bullpen guy. I thought that, I thought that again, we didn't know a thing about Yenier Cano back in February and March. I thought that Wells and Bautista would make just an incredible uh, one-two punch out of the late in the late innings uh, for the Orioles. Uh, they ended up, of course, not listening to my advice, and Tyler Wells ended up as a st- member of the starting rotation. He seems to be right now taking a good bit of a fade right now. Not that he's not capable but maybe with the inning situation and such, um, maybe picking up a starting pitcher would be a two-pronged attack that then they could slot Tyler Wells back into a bullpen role and essentially have Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and slot in Michael Lorenzen, slot in Steven Matz, Cole Irvin, if you have to, like Cole Irvin, but the Tyler Wells would perhaps he needs some help because if that thing does not roll in, get him closer up to the mic. I have the same problem, Jim. Jim Henneman joining us in just a minute, but that's my thinking right now is that they they kill two birds with one stone, and that is improving the bullpen by improving the starting rotation. And again, this is no knock at the talent of Tyler Wells, but maybe Tyler Wells' real role should be as a relief pitcher. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I like that take. I mean, at least maybe the rest of this season, it seems like bullpen might be better suited for him, just just the yeah. way that he's reached his limit. And All right. We said we would have him in today. He's going to join us until at least 11 o'clock, and that is our uh, veteran columnist, baseball columnist, still one of the best baseball writers I've ever read, and that's Jim Henneman. Jim, how are you, my friend? I'm hot. You're hot? <laughs> it's hot out. Join the club. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't it feel like a different type of heat when it gets hot now? Uh, it does when you get this old. Yeah. Well, I'm not <laughs> when, quite when as old. You, when you but get I'm, older, you, it, yeah, you feel it more. Yeah. yeah. How you feeling uh, Otherwise, other than hot? I'm all right. All right. Yeah. Um, we're trying to... Uh, sort of put our arms around what Mike Elias might be thinking right now. I don't know if you heard all of my uh, what I was saying, but it seems to me perhaps they have centered now on the concept of acquiring one more starting pitcher, maybe not a, you know, a big-time starter, but a Mike Lorenzen, Steven Matz, and then moving Tyler Wells to the bullpen. Thoughts? I guess. Uh, well, number one, it's got to be it's got to be somebody better than what they already have. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's no point in 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 getting another another uh, number two, three, or four. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, if you, you you might argue over who's number. You know. I. Uh, Wells. You know. I'm. Uh, you know. I mean. I get it. With Wells. What your what your thought was there. Um, I, I think he deserves. I mean. I think we're jumping to conclusions a little bit with you. I know he's had a couple of. 
I mean, the thing about him that's got me a little concerned more than anything is it was control. And, uh, you know, I think the whip thing is a little bit overrated because of the home runs. Yeah. You know, instead of instead of runners per base, uh, uh, runners per inning, it ought to be bases per inning. You have a better uh, clue there. But still, uh, having said that, uh, I think, the, you know, I think he's going to pitch a series. So, uh uh, you know, be, this would be a good test. Yeah. I mean, uh, but again, I I don't. The starters that they might have been after. I mean, the 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 guy from Chicago is gone, so I, they, you know they're not going to get him. Uh, uh, I've heard Lance Lynn's name kicked around. I haven't talked to any scouts that think that that's necessarily yeah. not that it wouldn't be a good move. That it would be an improvement. Yeah. So have you seen? There's two ways to think of it, though, Jim. In in my opinion. You're you're looking. You'd like to get somebody that's better than what we have, but what if it keeps Tyler Wells being effective and the guy is not even quite as good as Wells was as, as a starter for his first ten or twelve starts, but he's better than what Wells is now as a starter. With the idea of Wells going back to being the caddy to Bautista, because Cano has certainly sprung a little bit of a leak. Wouldn't you say? To a degree, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think mostly with Cano, the thing I see more with Cano, it seems to me that the ball is up more. Yeah. You know, but uh, but going back to Wells, here's the only, here's the only problem I have with that with that philosophy is like he's struggling right now early in the game. So if he's struggling early in the game, uh, you know, if it features that he's he would be struggling early in the game coming out of the bullpen right. too, and he would be more of a long guy. Uh, I get it. Um, uh, I, I see where that works, but the, the, the bullpen with with Baker, with uh, I, you know, Perez has kind of really been a mixed mixed bag. Um, who, who's who am I missing there? Bauman. Uh, Bauman. Bauman has been you know off the charts, but the but those guys it's not like they're going to be like that every time out. The only, the way the bullpen's going to get better is if they got to get another inning out of the starters, mm-hmm. and maybe one maybe the way to do that is let the starters go deeper. I mean, I, you know, I mean, even with, um, and I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect them, but it's just like, you know, Rodriguez was, was lights out. If he'd got one more guy out, he, he'd he'd have probably started another inning and and uh, give up he'd give up a two run single. Still in control of the game, five to two. You know, I'm not so sure that. I think a year from now, I don't think there's any question he stays in the game. Rodriguez, yeah, yeah, in, in uh, that situation. So I understand what they're doing, but I do think that the only way the bullpens are going to get better, and that Baker and 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 Bauman and those guys are going to be as effective as they are, is if the if, if they're not the, used the starters have got to yeah. get got to get deeper. Yeah. I mean, you can't use I, five I, pitchers a game. I don't think that that's possible this year. I that's why I'm I'm in favor of strengthening the bullpen first and foremost because I don't think this group. Is my, I think Kramer and Bradish, and to a certain extent Rodriguez are capable of more innings, but I don't know that it happens suddenly in August when you're trying to keep Rodriguez viable for the playoffs. You know, innings wise. Well, I I get that. Except except when we when we talk about innings, we're talking about two or three more outs. I mean, it's it's not like we're talking about fifty more pitches or anything. Uh, Look, these guys are not babies anymore. I mean, I mean, I think Kramer's done a really. I think Kramer's done a good job. 
Uh, I, I love Bradish. I mean, the, the, actually, Bradish was a lot more impressive the other night in some ways than he was yeah. before because he battled his way through. That, that's exactly the kind of situation I'm talking about. And sometimes a guy that, that gets through that kind of a situation, sometimes he's got to get through it a little bit later in the game. But he ended up being able to pitch later in the game because he was able to get through get through that. And you, because he had to. He almost had to get through. Were you sitting at home saying – he should have taken him out. No, no, no. not at all. Okay. No. I mean, I mean, I mean, I get it. Yeah. The, the worst thing in the world is, I mean, he's lights out through the first six hitters in the lineup and comes out at seven, eight, and nine. He can't get the and, and right. he's struggling with his control. I mean, something went a little bit haywire. You just gotten three runs and 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 they put two back on the board right away. Maybe the next inning when he got, you know, the next inning he was probably a, a one hit away yeah. from being out of the game. Yeah. But to his credit, uh, he stayed in the game. I like him a lot. I, I think he's a bulldog. I really. Well, do. I think him and Kramer yeah. are the two you know, best starters we have and, right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and 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 well, listen, I I, I don't discount. I, I agree with that. I don't discount Gibson on, only because Gibson yeah, of, a, of the five guys probably his stuff doesn't light you up. But somehow but he gets or other, he gets the yeah. job done, and he and he gets he gets guys to swing and miss. Well, have you have you seen enough of Fuji? To make an assessment, I mean, he does have a big time arm, doesn't he, Jim? Yes, there's no question about that. And I, I was, I did not see his first two outings because I was away. Right. Uh, so the one thing I've seen of him was those, the two in innings fact, in Philly. In fact, that's another situation where we all talk about it, and and nothing has changed. That was two innings and less than twenty pitches. Right. Why not? My put it my <laughs> mindset is, you know, sending back. And I get it. I mean, but this is not the way. It's it's not. I mean, I think Hyde's done a great job. Yeah. You know, but I just think the industry continues to shoot itself in in, in its collective feet, and I don't see any. I, I don't see it changing, and uh, I, I I don't understand the way. I don't understand pitching. You know, I spent the weekend at Cooperstown. You ha- you have a chance to talk to some people like Blylevin and Jim Cotton, and, and oh, they ran here they laugh with, at this with, stuff. I mean, and it's just. Um, you know, I mean, especially even like with Tyler Wells, is, I think already had two surgeries. He's 28, 29 years old. So right. I get it, the protection, you, you got it. But somewhere along the line, you got to, you know, you have to get behind it. And I think, I mean, in all honesty, I just think that they have these guys programmed now for six innings. Yeah. And that means you're using four pitchers a game when you right. do that. Right. So let me do a brief reset. Uh, you're listening to the Glenn Clark Radio Show, it's a Friday edition. Glenn will be back on Monday. I'm Stan the Fan, uh, the Chief Grand Poobah around here. And we're talking baseball with Jim Henneman. Coming up at about 11 o'clock is Mike Devereaux. Then at 11.20, Daz Cameron's going to join us. And then at 11.45, Joe Battaglia uh, of Concordia Prep. He's the head football coach there. Uh, and we'll talk to him about his hopes for the 2023 season. Jim Let's go back and talk about one thing. There's a lot of push right now that Grayson Rodriguez should be able to go longer in games. It's disappointing. When you look at him, I don't know when the last time is you've looked at his the way he was developed. When Dan Duquette drafted him, they treated him with such kid gloves the first couple of years that when it came time when the pandemic rolled around and there was no minor league season and he was at the alternate site, up until that year, he had not pitched more than like 75, 80 innings in a season. 
Well, he was programmed for three inning starts. I think you're preaching to the choir here, but yeah. Yeah, but we can, but we can, yes. I mean, look, I get it. It's like else, you know, he was drafted, and I mean, of course, you know, I, I mean, he was from the previous. I mean, this is this is all part of the uh, of of the the pitching philosophy now, which I got to reiterate this because I, I mean, frankly, I hate it. But right. but I don't I mean I don't you know just blame the Orioles I blame everybody I sure. think they're all I think they've all fallen under the same umbrella and you, you know but I'm I th- guess my argument is is that they, you yeah. know where they go we'll never find out if if we don't go if we don't go there so. yeah but my problem isn't so much that he doesn't go seven or eight innings he barely can get through five innings in a game and here's my point is because of how Dan Duquette, the, that regime treated him with kit gloves the first couple of years, then the pandemic, and then the lat tear or lat strain last year, it's not surprising to me that physically and mentally he can't get through a sixth inning, Jim. Well, I, I, it sounds to me like you're blaming a Duquette error. They'd only had him for that one, one for a couple for a month and a half, so – I mean, he's been in this organization from the from the almost from the get go. I thought he that I was Hall. Kept, Hall was before Rodriguez. Yeah, but I thought he was drafted 2018. 2018. Okay. Well, I mean, think about it, Rodriguez. Well, I'm, I mm mean, the blaming, catcher. I'm blaming somebody, but I'm also saying circumstance. In other words, the pandemic was one season that cost him any development where he might have started to go five innings in a game. I, then last year, finally, he was healthy. He had a good season going at Norfolk, and then he had the lat strain. Look, he's had a lot. There's been a lot of the injuries. All these guys have all been developed under the same program. Right. Uh, I mean, they'll you see guys come out of games in the fourth inning for at no for no reason other than we know that it's pitch counts. Um, There's just almost nothing. Even when things were going, even when the pitch counts were good, it seemed like they didn't pitch more than five innings. But as far as the the pandemic, I mean, how are we gonna? You know, we'll never know about that. But my, I guess the the uh, the devil's advocate theory there is: would the pandemic have hurt the development of a nineteen or twenty year old any more than or a thirty nine or a forty year old? I mean, the I, development of. I mean, uh, I say well, no, no. I mean, the, the guys, the guys that were the, the pitchers that were thirty, thirty, they were thirty, thirty one years old, who. Who basically they had the same thing. I mean, they, they you know they had the pandemic here too. I would think it would, it would have every bit as much effect on them as it would on on a young development. Well, I think I think <clears> it <throat> has. I think the the twenty twenty season has had an effect on the older pitchers as well. Okay. I don't think they've really ramped back up to be what they were. And and I'll I'll agree with you, Jim. They've they've been developing them or or treating them robotically that uh, six is great seven is off the charts but i think since the pandemic it's been tough for a lot of starting pitchers to ramp back up to the to the real numbers that we think starters can go which now is what 200 to 220 tops oh, i think 200 yeah <clears throat> i think in another year or so 200 is going to be off the charts right Right. I mean, I think 180 is. I mean, 180, 180 is thirty starts, six innings. Right. And you're not going to go six innings all the time. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I go back to the, and we both go back to the Weaver era. You know, Earl's whole thing about, you know, about you, especially we're talking about four man rotation on top of it. I mean, that was the other thing. We're only going to go pitch 
two hundred innings. Why aren't we? Why aren't we? Why are we, why are we going we, back to four guys? I mean, I you know the George Bamberger thing. Hermstarrett got the job in, as pitching coach at Atlanta a hundred years ago, right? And he told George his biggest problem was finding a fifth starter. And George said, "You know, if that's your biggest problem, you're, you're all you're doing is looking for somebody that's going to lose more games than going to win." <laughs> and it's almost. And if you go back, you, know, you can't find five, you can't find any team with four pitchers that have won more than they lose. And I, and I know people say wins don't mean anything, but you go look at the bottom line. Look at the team team wins. I mean, that's why I, I, I've looked at Kramer and I've looked at at, at Bradish and and Wells. <clears throat> to a lesser degree, well, was only because he missed so much the last year. Yeah, their their one loss records are, are don't light your eyes up, but the team one loss record is off the charts. Uh-huh. A lot of people haven't looked at the the the, 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 the Orioles one loss record in games started by Kramer and Bradish in the last two years. It's pretty it, impressive. Is, is almost as good as the team's record is right now. So that's a great point. That, that, that tells you pretty much what you need to know there. I mean. It, it's not their win, but yeah. their, their wins. Jim, one other aspect of the Tyler Wells discussion about whether or not, and obviously if he goes out this next start against the Yankees this weekend. All bets are off. All bets are off. Yeah. But one other aspect of that discussion is the year that he had when we first got him and they put him in the bullpen. He was pretty darn good, wasn't he? He he was, but and look, let's face it. All of his seasons in the, in the big leagues have been pretty much. I mean, there have been shutdowns. I mean, he's been he's been he's been shut down. Yeah, you know, in in all the cases. So again, I, I look at his career, length of his career, where I'm, I'm sure he'd rather be a starter. I mean, it, it's, no question about it. Uh, but somewhere along the line, you, you know, you you can't have to like not not missed five or six, seven starts. I mean, we talk about innings. We used to talk about 40 starts. Now we talk about 30, 30, max 32. Pretty right. much max is 32 right, right, right. now. I mean, you you do the you do the math, five pitchers, that's 160, you know, yep. that's it. That's 160 games. And you, you know, you need two other start, two other games. So, um, that that's the biggest to me, that's the biggest thing. That, that would be the biggest thing with, with Wells. Yeah. That, that would, you know that backs up your your argument. The point is, most of his exposure at this point has been in relief or been in short stretches. Yeah, you know where he hasn't pitched more than, you know, I mean as a reliever, you're not going to pitch more than fifty, sixty innings in some cases. You've so. been intimately watching the game longer than I have, partly because you're ten years older right. than I am, but also because you've been intimate with the game for longer than I have been. Yenier Cano. What we got out of him the first two, two and a half months of the season was off the charts both right. in terms of the performance and surprise factor. Right. Do you think he can get back to being nearer that pitcher than he's been the last three or four weeks? Jim? I would. Th- I, I, I think he's been a little bit uh, – a little bit. He lo- he's looked a little bit different to me. I, uh, let's put it that way. Uh, I, I don't see – yeah, I haven't. I don't see the 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 serious sink mm-hmm. that you know, when he first came in. First of all, there was a lot of a lot of movement on on almost yes. all of his pitches, and 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 his first whatever month or whatever was so off the charts that you knew that it was not sustainable. Right. Um, so I, I mean, whereas whereas I'm not gonna, I, I'm not ready to say he 
he can't do that because other things. And I don't think that the innings thing. I, I mean, he's 29 years old. He's been pitching all his life. I'm mm-hmm. sure. You know, I don't. I don't see that being a thing. Having said that, though, there's not a whole lot of question in my mind that Fuji can be that. Off of what you've seen, has been the, the it would be the, the setup guy for for Bautista and and or the closer. Maybe in you know you have to have a situation where one of those guys got to be ready to finish. I mean, like Cano had you know Cano had to come in the other day when. You know, if that was Bautista coming in, you wouldn't bat an eye. But if, but with Cano coming in, you might say, "Why not just stay with? Why not just stay with yeah. the guys there?" You yeah. Know? So I, and I get that. I mean, that the the only thing that and I was at the game in Philly the other night. I went. My buddy yeah. Bruce and I got seats and and sat in the stands. Um, the only thing about Fuji that had scared me was. You look at his numbers, like his last 16 appearances for Oakland. He threw roughly, I think it was 16 innings, gave up three runs, struck out 18, walked six. But those games, when you're either closing a game or you're the setup guy in a game and Oakland's up, let's say, 7-2, to 6-1, to one, or they're behind and you come into a game for an inning, it's not the same as pitching in that kind of theater that he did the other night, and yet that game answered some questions for me. Yeah, it, d- it did for me too. Um, and I don't know whether you can answer questions or anything, but but number one, you're 100 percent right. Pitching in Oakland, now first of all, and I mean, who who you'd be hard pressed to name anybody to closer in Oakland because it's not like it's not like they're protecting three run leads <laughs> in the ninth inning very often. So yeah. he's not pitching in that situation at right. all. But having 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 seen or not seen but heard about his early things, watching him the other night, he looked very un- much – he looked very calm to me. Yeah, very, he looked unfazed. Very, now, yeah. now, the other thing about it is, is is apparently the idea that he still wants to be a starter. Now, I don't know that I don't know that that's ever going to happen. You know, when we're sitting here talking about making the starters relievers. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, right, right now, because he hasn't been able to come to, to do as advertised – you know, I'd have to say that right now that if you're if, with depending on what happens, but maybe Irvin. I mean, Irvin doesn't did not figure to be the guy coming out of the bullpen, and he's been, you know, reasonably effective. Right. You know, he may be the guy you run out there next. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, I'm almost I almost thought that he might not have been a, a good guy to run out against the Yankees. But yeah, I think right now if if you you if you deviate from where you are, look. We're sitting here critiquing a team that's twenty two games over five hundred. Yep. I mean, and it's not August yet. So yeah. we're splitting yeah, hairs. Yeah, I know absolutely. That. And uh, I got yeah, one more know. topic before we right. take our break, okay. our first break of the show. Uh D. L. Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh I've I've been preaching for a few years now because I remember when I used to literally debate Kevin Malone, the assistant general manager of the Orioles, about Arthur Rhodes. And I was of the opinion that Arthur was a reliever waiting to happen and he'd say oh no his stuff's too good he's going to be a great starter uh i proved to be right that one time when i see dl hall all i see is relief pitcher Uh, i know i'm somewhat obsessed with that notion of turning really good arms into relief pitchers what do you see with him and where do you think he fits in now uh, where he's in florida deloading 
right now, to be honest with you, the, yeah. way, the way because right now he's a mystery man. Yeah, uh, I, I have no idea what's going on there. So right. I, I've seen him. I've seen his arm. His arm is more electric than any, than maybe anybody. Anybody we there. have on this team. Uh, yeah. I I think the comparison to Rhodes is is a good one, mm-hmm. but but Rhodes, I I mean I know a little bit about Rhodes because I get to know Wally Moon when he when Rhodes pitched for for him and 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 there were you know where was that Rose, at? where was that in college Fred, it, it was at Frederick. at Frederick that's right. right and he got promoted you know Arthur and and and. Pete, Petey Rose were, were really were really good buddies, and and Pete Arthur, Rose Jr. Right, yeah. And when he got promoted to when he got promoted to Hagerstown, he didn't want to go because you know he was, he was comfortable. Buddy. Yeah. And I remember Moon telling me he told him Arthur, "You're not going because you earned it. You're going because you're too good for this league." Yeah. And uh, the problem, as it turned out, he ended up not being a starter, and they, they thought he'd make a closer. And he, he, he wasn't, wasn't a good closer. For that. No, he wasn't. So, you know, so here's the thing. If we're looking at a guy, if you're looking to develop a guy, and, and the, you know, the old loony thing is over with, I mean, at least for now, if they stay with the rules, you're not you're not going to get just come in and pitch against left-handers. Right. So going back to Hall right now, if you ask me, I mean, right now that looks to me like a trade chip waiting to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, and I hate to say it because yeah. the arm is too good. Uh and again, he's he's been in this organization a year longer than. In fact, I think he's out of options. I, I don't think he has any options left. That's how so long he's been around. Okay. He's been around since seventeen. Right. So this is you know we're we're basically in the seventh season right. since then. Right. So, yeah. All right. Jim Henneman continues after this break. Go to pressboxonline.com offers slash offers now. Excuse me. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now. And get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at A.J. Michaels. That's AJMichaels.com. 
The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Not exactly, Glenn. It's uh, the best uh, representation of Glenn they can get here at Pressbox. Stand the fan back here on a Friday morning. Uh, we're talking with Jim Henneman. Jim, are you? Do you want to hang with us when we talk to Devereaux from eleven to eleven twenty? You're more than welcome. No, to. I mean, I think you, okay. you know, you'll be. Fine. I mean, not that I would, I would love to. I, know, I understand out, you what know, you're saying. No, I, understand. I, no, I think you'll understand. be fine with you. Hey, I want to take a what's it called? A view from the sky down on what. The Orioles have accomplished. When Mike Elias was brought in, a lot of us didn't know exactly what to make of him or how he would do. But your assessment now, we're, what's this, the fifth season that he's been the GM? This is the fifth year. Fifth and, year. And you got to throw out of here. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean yeah, yeah, there, exactly. was no, there was no minor leagues. Yep. So, so your assessment there, there, uh, on what he's accomplished. No, this here. is, I was thinking about this today. Now, if you stop and think about this, and this is, first of all, uh, I love what they've done. I, I I love draft the athletes. I mean, even though we all we, we all know pitching is the name of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with drafting the athletes ahead of the pitchers because it, it's too mean, much risk. I used to kid Joe Jordan. It's like the the three S's. You know, uh, scout them, sign them, and then schedule surgery. You know, I mean, <laughs> you just you just don't know. Yeah. Um, but having said that, they're they're Five years, I mean, you know, 19, you know, this is the fifth year. Yep. And if you go back and look at the track records of teams that have been through this, this is about the time uh, for last year. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing about it that I think we do tend to overlook, and and here's the thing, and I don't think this team, this particular team, and I did a column earlier, and and because I I, I like to, I took advantage of of the early part of the century, 
saying that I thought this would be the most exciting team of this century yeah. for this team. And I really do believe that. Having said that, when you stop and think about it, you have the catcher and and you have Henderson, you mm-hmm. have Gunner, and you, and you have Adley. Yep. And for the most part, this system that we're all excited about is still in the early, early development stages. I mean, we couldn't wait to get Kalzer up here. We couldn't wait to get Westberg up here. We, but thank God for the Frasers and thank God for the Urias and you know and the, and the, and yep. and the fact that this was an outfield that had. I mean, this That's is all really thrown into a really nice. And I guess the point that I want to make is is that I I will say this for you know Mike often used the th- the term. The cover was bare. The cover wasn't as bare as everybody thought it was. Yeah. You know, there's Dan left you know, them with I, I'm some not saying, players. I'm not saying they were all franchise players. I don't mean that. Yeah. But but the Hayes and the Mullins and the Sink and the uh, Santanders and, 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 and that crowd, you know, even even John Means who yeah. everybody, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, I'd I I'd I would be surprised if if they got anything out of him this year. I just don't think yeah. number one, they're gonna be able to afford just running out there. Yeah. So uh We'll see, but I mean, I think I mean there's we. I think you can certainly tell there's much more to come with Westberg. There's certainly more to come with with Gunner. Uh, you know, Kalzer has uh, has really not scratched the surface yet. Um, her stat is it, really her stat is a, is a one. I mean, every I was told I, I a good friend of mine uh, who has seen Norfolk scout who who seen Norfolk recently. Yeah, said. They are loaded. Yeah, he said they could almost feel. He said without pitching, other, the other than pitching, yeah, so better. they could feel the big league team almost. Yeah. Under he said they are loaded, and Herstead is the guy. And see Herstead at this point, but there's no, room, there's not room for Herstead and Kowser together. And Kowser was the guy that everybody was talking about in the beginning. And I think Herstead is a forty man thing on top of it. So. Right. Uh, the numbers are just not going to be there to, to allow everybody to be here to see. Have time, you man. caught a glimpse live of Kobe Mayo? No, but I tell you what, everybody I talk to, including this, including this guy, loves Kobe Mayo. Yeah, and he's, he's the, only twenty-one years old. He's 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 Gunner's age. Yeah, and he's a Triple A now, and he's a Triple A and yeah. doing well. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I've seen him <clears throat> twice. Yeah. This, in my opinion, yeah. and I don't put myself up there yeah. with a major league yeah. scout. Certainly, he's the best power hitting prospect I've ever seen the Orioles well, develop. That's kind of the. That's kind of the word that you yeah. get, and yeah. I, you know, and I said I haven't seen him. I saw a game where he played in in, in Aberdeen, but you know, I don't remember. Uh, Luke and I know. went to Aberdeen last yeah. year when remember when uh, Rutschman was coming back. Yes, yeah. and I saw him hit the first three times, and some for some reason that starter was still in the game in the seventh inning. And mm. I turned to Luke. I said, "Well, he's really? seen this guy." Luke, Luke and right. I went to the game. I said, "Luke." He's seen this guy three times. I think he should be able to pick. I was saying pick one out. I got the word pick out, and there was this noise. And I turned around, and it was one of those sort of McGuire-esque moonshots. I mean, you know. Then I went to see him three, four weeks ago at Bowie. Did the same thing again. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the name of the guy that pitched against him four times? Because I think maybe I'd... I might like to have him in a, in a, in a rotation. That's a good point. That's on, a good or point. On the staff I do not remember that guy. And what team was he playing for? Because I, I'm, mean, you know, what he was playing. I think he was an Indian farm system, Cleveland Indians. If they have a team in that league, listen. I want to. One other thing, because we, well, we kind of tap dance around this before we were talking about a pitcher. Yeah. The, the the one pitcher that is out there that that I you know again, and this is going to be a rental. Yeah. But I've been told that Blake Snell is the best pitcher in the National League right now. Yeah. 
and and he's apparently going to be available, and and of course and the haters out there and who's a local guy, but um, you, you know you're not going to do all of this, but it would be interesting to see oh, what they might snow. be able to do. Yeah. Um, I, listen, I had a, I had, I had more to I mean because I talked to some people in in Cooperstown, and more than one person said you know their system is good enough. They could have got Otani, yeah, if they were willing to yeah. spend the. T- and I sure. said, you know, well, if 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 John, you know, was going to say, hey, well, here's my commitment. I I'm going to pay this guy ten million for the next two months, and 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 but you, you can't strip the farm bare. Hey, we've got about ten minutes, yeah. and I want to get to the yeah. I want to get to Cooperstown because your right. yearly pilgrimage yeah. to Cooperstown yeah. was made. But yeah. I do want to ask you one other thing. We're talking about what a great farm system this is now. We have yet to see. The, the proceeds from the investment in international. Right. Do you expect in two or three years that there might be one or two either starting pitcher and a position player? When do you think that that really could pay off? Well, Because Kobe Perez is a pretty well-respected well, guy. Uh, well, the, the, the 19 or 18, 19-year-old catcher that, that I Sammy mean, Bissett, right on yeah. the top. I mean, he's yeah. he's – I mean, he's he's not a Triple A yet. No, but he but he from everything you say, yeah, he's supposed I mean, he's, to be. You know, he's one. To, I mean, he's and he's young. I yeah. mean, he's still, nineteen. I think he's still real young. So you know, I mean, that, that's the only international. But I agree with you. They haven't really. I mean, really. I mean, Adley and and Gunner are, are are the are the prospects of that, that from from this yeah, system. Yeah, they're the they have only. It's only like I mean, that literally. That's that's like a. Uh, not even a mosquito bite. I yeah. mean, you know, it's not even, a, you know, it's hardly anything. Right. So. Hey, you wrote a great column about the induction of uh, Fred McGriff and Scott yeah. Rowland, and you weave such a great story uh, about their paths getting there. Talk a little bit about the emotions from this year going up to Cooperstown. Well, you know, you know, it's well, great. First of all, going up to Cooperstown for an induction is always, you know, it's always a thrill of the year. Uh, for me, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been fortunate to be involved in, in in some different committees up there, and I, you know, it's just I yeah. just I just love the setting. Um, McGriff is the one. I mean, because I saw him a whole lot more than mm-hmm. I did than I did Roland. Um, the the thing, and of course, the argument always was, and I I listened to Brian Kenny do his thing on you. Know, well, how could you guys? How could you know? It's always you guys. How, right. What took you so long? I mean, right. Well, here I can tell you what took you so long because I went. You know, you go back and I looked at Fred McGriff's thing. Fred McGriff was on about ten years. You know, I'd say ten years. Uh, on the ten years that he was on the ballot, there was at least eight other Hall of Fame, eight other people Slam who are dunk. in the Hall of Fame right. now, Slam dunkers. who were on the ballot when when he was on. Right, and and that I'm I'm not. Excusing, saying somewhere along, somewhere along the line there should have been room for him, mm-hmm. but somewhere along the line he did make a big jump. Yeah, uh, which had nothing to do with it. the The fact that he was a was a unanimous selection from the, the veteran made the writers look yeah. really, really stupid. Now I'm and look, I always voted for him, mm-hmm. uh, Roland. I I was, I was kind of on the fence about, but you know what? I went back and looked at his stuff, and I had again. I've I've had one person who who I have a lot of respect for who would not, and I I, I, I can't say the name because yep. who compared him to Brooks defensively mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I say well if you can put him in the same sentence with Brooks I got to consider some of this other stuff yeah. and the man had 900 extra base hits yeah. so 
900 plus extra base hits. That's a lot of extra base hits. That is and, a lot of <laughs> so, uh, How many years was he in the big league? 16? Something like that. And yeah. he had eight. And you know, like people say, well, he only had eight gold gloves. But I said, but in, in fairness to the sometimes you're you're in. Yeah, you thing. don't control I mean, that. I mean, all how the do time. you think that Cleet Boyer and Craig yeah, Halos, exactly. you know, how did they feel? I mean, how many? I mean, or Roy right. right? I mean, how many? How many Gold Gloves would they win in, right. a, in a normal scenario? So, yeah, uh, and McGriff is just such a delightful yeah. person, and and there's a wonderful. There's a couple of wonderful stories. There was a, a wonderful story uh, on Roland uh, with with a, a nine year old kid that he that just impacted. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Mo Gabba thing. Uh-huh. Uh And this is this is. 2004. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Who he has stayed and and it's his Indiana roots and the kid. You know they, they somehow made contact with Ron and and then and and at the same time made a contact with this kid with Peyton Manning and then Manning and and Roland got together and they've raised millions of dollars and and this you know it's it's kind of a it's a cool story and I, I remember putting it on Facebook and I said make sure you got your Kleenex because yeah. uh, yeah. you know it's one of those things. So it was a. Um, Small class this year, yep. uh, but it was it was a it was a the the induction was great. Uh, it, it, the, you know the crowd the size is off. I mean th- at this point now they, you know the, they thought maybe they would have fifteen thousand, which if you if you remember was the crowd number for Brooks's when yeah. Brooks went in, which was the largest, largest of, of any. You know now they're, they, you know they kind of gear everything to when Cal went in and, and, and yeah. Jeter and, and 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 those guys went in. Um, but it was a it was a great ceremony. The you know the speeches the speeches were great. I mean I thought I thought the way Roland uh, went through his career and you know it, it was pretty cool. You know he said you know I'm, I'm a Jasper Wildcat. I'm an Indiana Hoosier. <laughs> I'm Philadelphia Philly. I'm a Toronto Blue Jay. You know I'm, I'm a Atlanta Brave. Yeah. I'm a you know I'm a you know I'm at everything. You know and there were and there were people from every from all those cities. He was well represented from people from all those cities. It was really cool. What did he you 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 closed the thing I think with or he closed his speech about something his dad had told him. Oh, that that, that was well. What it was he said when he he was he was a kid. He was playing basketball and he oh, was his dad right. and yeah. he said, you know I, I you know I'm no good. I can't you know I'm, I'm terrible. I mean he, he said you know I can't pass. I can't dribble. I can't shoot. You know I can't. He said his dad said well okay. He said you say yeah. okay, go okay. And he said, "Well, you you told me what you can't do." And he said, uh, "What can what you can do? you do?" And he said, "Well, you know, I can play some defense, and I guess I can rebound, and <laughs> I can dive on the floor, and and get loose balls, which you know we can always use." And Dad said, "Well, we'll do that then. That's all. We'll do that then." <laughs> and so, and this is a hard. This is even hard to say. And so, yeah. his 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 father and I was, you know, he. Now he's in the Hall of Fame, and he says, "You know, well, Dad, I did that then." It was cool. It's a great, very yeah. cool, very yeah. cool moment. Very cool. It was, uh, you know, the speeches were great. Uh, you know, like I said, I I've been around McGriff a little bit more. I know a little bit more about McGriff because of John Sherrill's. John's yeah. a good, John's a close friend from all those years back, and and all those people, and and Rick Vaughn, who had him at had. Uh, McGriff at Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay right. I mean, everybody says this guy is just so off the charts, yeah. and that's exactly the way he comes across. I don't know him. I met him. Uh, oh, I got an interesting story. It's an interesting story. I haven't really t- told this story to too many people. We have, we have a few. We minutes. got about five, four or five minutes. So, after the Saturday night thing, I'm I'm I have a, a 
ritual down there where things are kind of in between things. And I go down by the lake, by the, the hotel, and just sit, you know, around, around the, you know, late in the afternoon or sunrise, sunset, I'm sorry, sunset, and uh, just sit on the thing and kind of take the whole thing in. And so I'm down there, and this little girl comes in, and she, you know, maybe about six years old, and she kind of runs around. She's kind of scoping out the old guy sitting on a bench and stuff like that. Then, you know, n- nothing said, and she leaves, and, and, and she came back and sat down on the bench. It was a long, it's a long right. bench. On like the other side. People, and just sat there, you know, right. just sat there. Cutest little thing. And, and I thought, I'm thinking, and absolutely no conversation. She just, you know, we just looked around, and I'm thinking, I'm this poor girl. I don't want her parents saying, what's she doing hanging out with this old guy sitting on the bench? <laughs> so an hour and a half or so later, I'm back inside with, with uh, Jack O'Connell and some of the other BBWA writers. Right. And and Derek Jeter comes over and, and starts talking to them. I had never really met Jeter. I introduced. I went to introduce myself to him. He said, I owe you an apology. And I'm like, you owe me an apology? He said, I got to apologize for my daughter coming down and sitting on the bench. Oh, my God. It was Derek's daughter. <laughs> it was Derek Jeter's daughter. That's great. And, it was, and so... I said to him, I said, well, you tell your daughter, as long as she has her parents' permission, she can sit on a bench with me anytime. And he said, oh, she'll track you down. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, speaking of that bench, wasn't that the great story last year when Tim Kirchin went in that Johnny Bench took him out there basically well, that, to look at that same well, lake? Well, what they what they do that is on the veranda of the hotel. Okay, the I, veranda know, of the yeah. hotel. But that's kind of a tradition that Bench has done. with. He did that with Cal. I remember Cal telling that story. Yeah. And just I did you know, not know that. Cal yeah. told the story one time about Bench said when you we, you know when you get him in we get him in and he thought it was a hazing thing he thought it was like one of those things with, with Cal. Cal told this story up in in a different setting in Cooperstown several years ago, and uh, and he said finally Bench grabbed him and he and he went out and sat him down and he said I just want you to, you know he said now just sit here and and look at this for you know, take it in for five minutes or something. So that's been apparently been a bench uh, tradition. And I, I was happy that it, that he did it. And, and bench went out of his way to go to Timmy's thing last year, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Bench is a pretty good guy. Yeah. Uh, last thing for years, I thought the most, the, the guy that belonged in the hall that had gotten overlooked was Tony Oliva. Right. And they finally yeah. righted that. Right. The, the last couple of years when I was doing some of the Masson work, we'd, we'd have some, talks around the hall of fame and i got to look intimately at billy wagner's numbers he's not past the 10 right. years yet yeah is he going to make it I next think year so, yeah I, th- I think so I, I think there's a, i think there's enough people uh, ryan darling from the get-go was a guy that came out and said you know i mean you look at trevor huffman the difference between trevor huffman and and billy wagner is one year yeah and the name on the award yeah you know so uh the the thing with Wagner is is apparently it's not quite. And if you go back and look, Wagner left at the top of the game. I mean, yeah, he, his his he had, his he, last year was it was, was off the charts. Out. Yeah, so I mean, he pitched something like Jim. Am I right? It's something like fourteen hundred innings. I don't and know. He gave I don't, a, it was like it, the hits to innings yeah, pitch. Yeah. It's three or four hundred oh, yeah. less yeah. hits to yeah. innings pitch, yeah, and his whip is slightly better than Mariano Rivera's. Yeah. But his in the I, I don't I don't off the top of my head I don't know. I can look it up. I don't but, know why I'm. Uh, but I see, but he has. I think he had. He had. He had. When you know they just said I I, I remember people saying he, his it wasn't quite long. It wasn't. It was a right. Year year less than. 
But Hold on, I just want to look up his innings pitched, and then, right. then well, we'll end up. But the, I know the other stuff, the whip and the, the strikeouts and, yeah. and hits and all that stuff are really off the charts. Here, and, here we go. Hold on. Yeah. He threw – of course it doesn't – why doesn't it say that there? Hold on. Here it is. He threw a total of 903 innings, yeah, 601 yeah. hits. Yeah, he's, he's like 100, he's like 100 innings 16, short. 16 – no, yeah. wait a minute. 1,196 strikeouts in 903 yeah. innings. Yeah, his, that, the, innings, the, the innings is the big thing yeah. with him. It's yeah. not, his, if his innings – if he had 100 more innings – Jim – No, I think he'll make it. Yeah, yeah. he do. Jim, right. really appreciate your coming in and sharing some thoughts on right. the Oriole rebuild, right. trade uh, trade situations, right. and finally the Hall of Fame. All, All right. right, well, give Debo a best, and uh, All right. I'm sure he'll be great. He's done. He did a good job on the broadcast booth. I'm curious to see how he, he you want You at the ballpark tonight? Uh, I, I'm planning to be there, but I'm going to tell you something. This weather heat, may, yeah, be may careful. Get me out of there. Be All good. Right. All right, thank you, Jim. He's the one, the, the great Jim Henneman. Uh, who still writes as good a baseball column as there is in the business. Thanks for coming in. Do we have Mike Devereaux in? Okay. I'll just tell you that PressBox, before we go to it, PressBox is offering new sports bettors the best signing bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. Joining us now is number 12 on the back of his uniform, uh, and number one in your hearts, it's Mike Devereaux, former outfielder of the Baltimore Orioles and a uh, Orioles Hall of Famer. Mike Devereaux joins us. Mike, how are you? Great, great. How are you guys doing? I know you're doing great, and I, I'm so, sorry to start this off on a sad note. I know during the broadcast you got word when you were doing the three games uh, last uh, ten, 10 days ago or so that you found out your your brother had passed. Uh, how's the family yeah. holding up? How's the family holding up? Well, everybody's hanging in there. You know, it's always tough. It's definitely uh, unexpected. So yeah. uh, we're still, well, still I hope... obviously in our minds and still reeling from it. So yeah. it's just unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. I hope it didn't take too much of the luster off of what you did uh, a couple weekends ago, uh, being part of the broadcast team here. How did that come about? And I know you got three more games going uh, to do. Uh, how did you think it went? Well, I'll, as far as how it came about, I just got the call and I was asking. I was very excited uh, to be able to do that, and uh, I, I was. It was fun. It was really fun. I enjoyed my time up there um, with, with with Ben and and Kevin, and uh, it, it was great seeing the, how good the Orioles were doing and winning all those games against Miami and seeing how they were playing is a really exciting time for me. And I left. I can't you, wait uh, till next month. And you've got three more games, right, in August? Yes. Which games yes, are those? August, are they 9th and 10th against Houston. Against Houston. So it's games here in Baltimore. Okay. Um, yes. Let me ask you, when you worked this year, you came into spring training, was it for three or four days as a coach? It was for a week. For a, it was for a week. week. Okay. Did you have any idea this team was capable of what they're doing now? Did 
did you sort of get back from it one day after practice say, this team's got a chance to be pretty darn good, or, or is this a shocker to you? Well, I, I knew they, they were doing well towards the end of last season, last part of last season. I, I do that. But without, you know, seeing the guys and being there, you never know. But after after bringing spring training, you kind of got got the feeling of the, the excitement and the, the, the camaraderie from the guys and, and seeing that there's definitely a possibility for the overflow from last year to knowing that uh, they, they had the capability of, of competing uh, at the highest level of this game. Has anything in particular surprised you about this team when you think back to spring training and see the, the sort of product it is today? Um, I guess it has to be that, that, that everybody seemed to have a, have a part. I guess the, uh, when, I, when I look at it, the, the respect for, for, for everything that was going on and, and uh, just the, uh, the, the confidence that everybody had, I, I think that was something that I saw of those guys that, uh, that was impressive. All right. Mike, um, this broadcasting thing, how did Kevin and, and Ben treat you? Did they make you feel at home? Oh, they're great. Yes, they did. Uh, they made me feel real comfortable. I mean, obviously I'd never done it before in my life. So I, I, I'm still trying to get used to it. And, and, uh, I had no idea how complex it actually was <laughs> and, and all the things that go on, um, with, uh, Don and, and, uh, it, it's, it's just, it, it just, it was amazing to just see how how the engine rolled, how it moved. Yeah, yeah, it does move. Uh, ben McDonald, you were a teammate of his, of course, when he broke in. Would you have ever seen him in that role back then when you think back on him sort of coming in as a Louisiana kid, you know, wrestling alligators and all that? He's pretty darn good at this, isn't he? He is. He's got that that twang, right, and, yep. and, and that likability. And, uh, and 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 you know the gift of gab and and the the, the flow that he has. I, I didn't. I mean, obviously when I when I first met him, I you know I never you never know, but I I can see how how it happened and 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 the flow that he goes and his intelligence of the game. You uh, were part of the Orioles when the stadium first opened up. Uh, tell our listeners that are listening in today. I guess that's what listeners do. Uh, what what Baltimore means to Mike Devereaux? Um, first of all, when I got when I when I, I knew I was traded to Baltimore, I was like knew nothing about the city. Obviously, I knew about you know Cal and Frank and the players, Boog and and Palmer and all those guys, yeah. but I, I didn't know not, anything about the city. And so so when I came here, it was just totally fresh. And I knew I knew that they really supported the Orioles. And I looked up, uh, looked into it. And I knew they averaged like thirty, thirty-three thousand dollars a game, of, or uh, uh, fans as far as uh, capacity. Memorial. Yep. And then when we moved into Camden Yards. It was just incredible. I remember Brady and I uh, walking in, coming back from spring training. Uh, they had that one left field lights, bank of lights on, and we just looked at each other and just, I mean, I'm, a tear came to my eye about how amazing it actually looked. Yeah. And uh, then with the crowds that came in, the excitement of it, and I never played a game here that wasn't sold out. And that was impressive. And, and you look at the stadium's pretty old right now, right? Yeah. And it's still the best that there, there is around. I mean, it set a precedence for, uh, for all the stadiums that were that are being built right now. And it's still just as clean and, I mean, gorgeous as it 
from day one. Even better now. Uh, Mike, I mean, uh, so since you you know you had the coaching hat on early in spring training, and now that you you're kind of watching from the broadcast point of view, how big of a role you know being around Brandon Hyde, like how big of a role, how much credit do you think he he should kind of get great, for this turnaround, this yep. turnaround the, that we've seen with the Orioles? Well, I mean, it it, it it starts with him, you know, as far as Brandon, the way he goes about the team and how the team respects him, and uh, it's it, it's just. You know, a great thing when you see something like that happen, uh, when everybody's on the same page, and and Brandon has brought these guys together and, and made them be able to compete, and that's exactly what, what they're doing. Um, it's, it's, I remember with, with Frank, same way, and I just see similarities of, of 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 you know what a manager can do to uh, to uh, in same way just make the team better. You know, it's interesting. It seemed at the time a small thing, but in the pandemic season, Mike, you remember how many teams had COVID outbreaks? And, you know, COVID outbreaks by back then were, for the most part, if you didn't follow the protocols, that's when you risked infecting the rest of your team with COVID. The Orioles didn't right. have one blip that year, and I always attributed to how much respect the players had for Brandon and for being a Baltimore Oriole at the time, you know, what it meant to them thoughts. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, go ahead. I, I didn't even know that, yeah. but that, that goes to show you, you know, I had no idea that, that, uh, that happened, but that goes to show you the respect that they have for Brandon, yeah. you know, well, I mean, he's a, he's a leader. I hadn't, and, and there I, hadn't, you go. I hadn't thought about it in a long time until you said how much they respected Brandon. And it, it hit me with, uh, with that. Um, who pitched? Do you remember the three games you did? Who pitched for the Orioles? Did you did you do know, one Kramer of Grayson's? Ga- did you do one of Grayson's games? Um, unfortunately, I can't remember. But one okay. of my the, the news I got threw me kind of a foggy. I know uh, Cranley. I did see one of his games. Right. Your thoughts on what you've seen out of these starters? Um, I saw them pitching the contact. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and the thing is, you know, when it, that, that keeps the defense going, it keeps them on their, on their toes. And, and that's what I saw, you know, making sure not, not very long innings, not a lot of walks. Um, and that's what, that's what I saw making the guys put the ball in play, making the defense behind them work. Devo, you were part of some trade, uh, you know, deadline deals in the past, what does a trade do for a team that's pretty good? Do the players get – does it give them a jolt like, hey, we're really trying to win now because we picked up – name the player, you know, we picked up X? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, especially when you're on the run and, you know, you might there's just that, that little piece that's going to help everybody. Uh, and I think uh, – if it works out that way and, and the players are saying, okay, hey, here it is. Let's go. It's time now. We're on a roll. And as for me, a guy that was traded during that time, you know, it, it, it hyped me also. So yeah. for the players that come in, it, it hypes them too. Now, who were you traded to at deadlines where you were – I know the Braves were one team you got dealt to, right, at the deadline? Yeah, that was the only team I got traded to. I, didn't, I wasn't involved in any trade during the season besides okay. the Braves. And did you win some postseason award like MVP of of a series or something like that? I seem to recall that. 
Yes, I did. Uh, MVP of the national championship series against uh, the Cincinnati Reds. And, and my feeling when I came in, you know, with the Braves, they'd won all those years before. And I, right. I remember I told my parents, I'm like, I'm about to go to the World Series. That's the first thing I said. Yep. And, yep. and, and that thought was, you know, going to a team that actually wants you, first of all. Yep. And then saying, okay, the fact that they actually want me, I want to prove to them that they were right on this move. Yep. Um, when you look back on what year did you play for the Braves? That was in 95. 95. Does it surprise you what they've been able – now, they've only – I think they've won one World Series in all that time. Or, no, two. Two World Series because they just won one. But does it – No, they they won one in 95 and then 2001 – or 21. 21, right. So two two World Series in all that time. Does it surprise you, though, that they've sort of been the – I guess along with the Dodgers – uh, the the shining lights as to how to develop a team. Does it surprise you that they're still so very good? It, it, I mean, sometimes when you get that good feeling, it it, it rolls along. Um, and obviously, you know, it helps with with, uh, with with draft picks and your minor league system and all that, and 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 getting that winning attitude. And and it, sometimes it, it keeps going. Obviously. Teams aren't going to win World Series all the time, but uh, but teams can stay successful, you know, keeping with the same thought process, the same uh, the same worth ethics, and I think the Braves have done that um, along with the Dodgers. We're talking with Mike Devereaux. Griff, you got another question? Yeah, just uh, I mean, you know, since it's it's uh, you know your stomping ground, the outfield, the Orioles outfield. Uh, you know, when healthy, they've looked like one of the best outfields uh, in in baseball, and anchored by Cedric Mullins, obviously. You know, how important do you think it is, you know, to get Cedric Mullins back and have him healthy? You know, at the season that he's had and the way that he's able to to kind of to to kind of command the the outfield for the O's. Well, I think you know I'm biased, of course, because I'm an outfielder, but. Uh, I think outfielders is, is defensive play of outfielders is very very important when it comes to the mindset of, of pitchers. And this is just me talking because um, you have somebody like Cedric out there and the other guys out there that that. And I remember when Brady and I were playing out there, we're like, we are not going to let a ball hit the grass. And the, the more great plays, defensive plays you make as an outfielder, the better the pitcher is as far as as far as pitching to contact and not knowing or not thinking that he has to strike everybody out. So that's the way I look at it. So I, I see that in the Orioles this year um, with Hayes out there and and uh, Anthony and all those guys. I just I just see that 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 defense being strong. We're talking with Mike Devereaux, former Oriole player, member of the Orioles Hall of Fame, now an Oriole broadcaster. We hope that happens more often in the years ahead. Yeah. Mike, you've got the three games more this season. You got August eighth, ninth, and tenth. All three of those games are here in Baltimore against the Houston Astros. Have you been following the Astros a little bit? Do you pay a little bit more as prepping for this develops? Is it important for you to kind of follow the opponent as well? It, it has been important, but it's been difficult because I've just spent the last week in Cooperstown yep. with my son, you know, coaching him and, and, and other terms that I go to. And I try to get back and, 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 and watch the games, but I, it's, it's hard because I only get the, 
the highlights and mm-hmm. and all that. Um, I, is it time is an issue because of that? But I definitely try to to educate myself to see what's going on. I'm going to do a lot more since I've gotten back because I mean we left Cooperstown this morning. What? What? what your son is what? Fourteen now? Fifteen? He's 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 twelve. He's twelve. He's twelve playing eleven. You. Does he have the yeah. Devereaux skill set? How fast is he? <laughs> well, I think he's better, to be honest with you. I, I think the fact that uh, he goes like to spring training with, uh, with the Orioles this year, yep. and he really concentrates on the hitters, and he has his favorite players. And like he talked to Adley in the cages in spring training, and Adley was so great uh, with the questions that, uh, that my son had and the answers that he had. And, and he really studies the game. He's super fast. Um, he loves the outfield like me. Uh, he's a left-hander, and he pitches. Um, Anthony Telford is his pitching coach, and Anthony keeps uh, joking with me, saying he's going to be a PO and all that. <laughs> so you think him? Be, but, you yeah, think he could be an? O, could he be an Otani? A left-handed Otani? <laughs> now you're talking about the best player in the game. That would yeah. be great. Yeah, great. Is, and and you'd, he was. and you'd serve as his agent and get that six hundred million dollar contract, right? You better believe it. All right, hey Devo, thanks for tuning in, joining us uh, today. Not tuning in with us. Thanks for joining us today. And again, my condolences on uh, your loss. Okay. Uh, thanks, thanks, I appreciate that. You've been a good well, friend. You, you've been a good friend over the years, and I look forward to seeing you more. And I'll definitely look forward to seeing you August 8th, 9th, and 10th in the broadcast booth All from right. Hassan. Okay. Take care, Mike. Perfect. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Thanks, you guys, too. Take care. There you have it. Griff, um, we've got a couple minutes now. Should we take a break or should we straddle? That's a really good question. I say we, we we can. I say we just hang out here. We can hang uh, out. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll be joined by Daz Cameron in, from the Tides shortly. Um, but, you know, I mean – Mike, uh, Mike, uh, you know he he brings up you know the points he makes about Brandon Hyde, obviously, and in the the way the Orioles defense kind of plays, and, it, and that stretches to the infield as well. I mean, when they have they they when they when they play good defense, they're typically winning baseball games, right? Um, and whether and and uh, so it's you know I I know you're not really one, I guess, uh, dig in on the lineups, but you know we it's what what does your best infield, I guess, kind of look like is. Well, my best in field is actually on games that Mountcastle's going to play and O'Hearn's going to play, I'm really shocked that Brandon Hyde, I don't think he has ever played Mountcastle over O'Hearn defensively when they both been in the game. Now, it might have something to do with Ryan coming back from uh, the vertigo, that he just feels it's uh, this is an easier way to break him in, but he has played him a couple games at first base. But Mountcastle would be defensively my best first baseman. I think Westberg is my second baseman defensively. Gunner has been so great at both positions, and the way that Mateo is playing now, I don't think he's as good as a utility guy coming off the bench like that double clutch the other night right, in Philly. Right. I don't think he makes that if he's the starting shortstop every day around it. Yeah. I think it's all a little 
jittery coming into the game. What is Mateo's future on the team like right now at this point? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, everybody talked about how how it was so easy to give him up. You know, it would be interesting. What would you do now? The Orioles are so deep in the minor leagues. You could have brought up Ortiz the next day, but when Henderson got hurt, it sure felt good to have Mateo on the team right now. I don't think he's got a long future with the team. But he is an interesting utility player if he can get more used to playing coming in like situations like that. Do you yeah. agree with me, first of all? Does he make that double clutch Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, playing yeah. every day? I, I don't think so because that was kind of the, the thing. I think I brought it up with Ken the other day. Is, is you know, like he, It seems like his confidence is, is seem to really kind of be shot right now. You know, yeah. He doesn't know when he's going to be in the lineup. He comes in in the eighth. He's an eighth, ninth inning replacement since yeah. Garner get, gets hurt. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's... It's uh, it's yeah. unfortunate for him, and uh, it, it unfortunately looks like it looks like it's hurting the team right now. Too. So purely defensively, I would have Mountcastle at first, Westberg at second, Mateo at short, and Henderson at third. Um, well, there, there I go. I, defensively, Urias is a better third baseman. So uh, if we're talking who I'm going to play every day right now, because you face seventy percent right-handed pitchers. I'm going to probably play O'Hearn most days. Uh, I really like Westberg, what I've seen of him. But Frazier gets some big hits. So that's a sort of a semi-platoon for me right now. It's second uh, with Westberg playing a couple days a week, maybe a third as well. Uh, with Henderson, Mateo at short and Henderson at third. That's kind of my team right now in the infield. All right, we're now joined by somebody who was the 37th pick in his year of the draft, uh, he was drafted by the Houston Astros many, many moons ago, and that's Daz Cameron. Daz, thank you for joining us. I'm Stan the Fan, and Griffin is the producer of the show. We appreciate your joining us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, thanks for you guys having me on, man. I'm excited to see and answer some questions here, some, hear some questions that you guys may, may have for me to answer them. So, yeah, man, so, so Daz, my my first question for you is: You've been at this for since 2015 in the minors. You're at the highest level of the minor leagues. What would you say about your career at this point in time? How would you describe what it's been like in developing? Um, over the past years, you know, um, the past two three years, of course, you guys know. Some of you may know that I've been with Detroit, but um, I would definitely say that it has been a journey for me um, to continue to uh, play the game that I love. And, and uh, I'm doing that now, and I'm thankful that, I've, you know, my guy has, has God given the ability to, to keep doing it um, at the highest point of uh, a baseball and to do it, you know, consistently. So, but um, uh, as far as the game itself, you know, there's so many things that I've, I've been able to learn and continue you know, to, to grow in, and that may not just be in the developmental part, but that's all, but, you know, one thing that I've seen like, about how to win is play winning baseball, and I think that the Orioles do a great job of, of explaining a lot of that um, today. Daz, uh, how would you describe the Orioles since Mike Elias has been brought in there? And how, first of all, let me ask you that. How familiar are you, and how, how well do you know Mike? Because I'm sure he was at Houston when you were drafted. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with him. He actually came to my my house, like you know, uh, maybe like two three months before the draft, and then we 
sat down and ate and talked. So he's very, uh, very personal guy, and um, and uh, I kind of know him from that. But um, as far as like um, himself, he's a, I think that he's a, you know good DM. He's actually he actually wants to get to know some of the players that he does draft. And he does a good job as you guys. Can hey, see hey, Daz, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. Can we try and call you back? You're in a zone where we're getting an awful lot of static. Can my producer call you right back? Okay. That's what we're going to try and do with uh, Daz Cameron. I don't know whether it's where he's driving or whatever, but uh, uh, the static was just off the charts. I couldn't understand much of what he said. We were going to do that a moment earlier in the interview, and all of a sudden the static went away, and then it came back immediately when we decided – not to call him. We're talking to Orioles outfielder Daz Cameron. Uh, he's playing right now for Norfolk. This year he's hit 271 with a 353 on base, a 483 slugging percentage, and 836 OPS. He's got 15 doubles, 14 homers, and 50 runs batted in. Uh, we're going to be rejoined by Daz Cameron in just a moment. Um, all right. So. All right, sounds like we've got him back and we got a better connection. All right, Daz, sorry to do that to you, but I don't think I couldn't hear personally, and I don't think our listeners could. Um, you were talking about Mike and your familiarity with him. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, actually, um, a couple, you know, a couple months before the draft, um, actually, uh, Mike actually came to my house, and you know we. We all sat down. We ate dinner right before the draft, so I got to know him from that, you know, standpoint of, of who he was personally. And I think that Mike, he does a good job of wanting to know the players and, and who they are before um, he decides, you know, decides to make his, I guess, his picks. But as far as like a GM yeah, man, you can see that he's done a good job as far as that. No question about it, Daz. You personally. <laughs> I'm looking at your numbers in your two AAA seasons. I mean, the, the most two recent AAA seasons. In 2022, you struck out 123 times and walked just 37 times. This year, to date, you've struck out only 66 times and walked 29 times. That's quite an improvement on your part. It shows in your own base percentage last year, or in 2022 was 312. This year you're 353. That's pretty darn hard to do once you're kind of established in habits. How did you work on that? Was it something that the Orioles and hitting instructors focused you on more? Because it certainly seems to have made you a much more valuable player. Yeah, definitely. I think there's – this is, uh, you know, well, it just goes to, you know, the work that I've, I've always improved in the batting cage of being consistent in um, wanting to establish the strike zone awareness and, and doing that with, you know, um, with seeing how I've, how I've, how I've been able to plan and execute um, before even going and stepping in the batter's box. Um, about you know, and that dictates what the pitcher's throwing that it be, and wanting to get a good pitcher hitting the zone, and the Orioles have done you know an even better job with helping me implement that even more, and I think that uh, now it's starting to show, you know, starting to come in fruition a lot more now that, that I'm, you know, I'm comfortable in you know some adjustments that I've made, um, 
with being able to in my setup and approach that's allowed my eye to be a lot more, more a lot more comfortable to put a good swing on the on the ball when it's thrown in the zone for me to hit it, you know, hard through the gap somewhere in the outfield there. Well well, I don't mean to talk down to you at all, but you should be very proud of that accomplishment because I'll tell you what, I've been following baseball a long time. And once a player gets into that habit of not addressing strike zone discipline, it's it's really really tough to be a productive major league baseball player. Yeah, absolutely, I do agree with that. Especially in the game now today, man. Um, you know, a lot of guys are throwing harder, but um, the um, the more that you're you're able to, you know, swing at strikes and then obviously take balls that are not in the strike zone. And, Obviously, everything else just goes up if if you continue to you know work your plan and trust in that. Do you have any doubts that you can play Major League Baseball at this point in your career, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm dads, but yeah, um, no, I don't. No, there's no, there's no doubt. I'm only you know I'm 26. A lot of guys don't even make the big leagues until they're 27, 28. Yep. But uh, uh, I definitely do think yes. I think that I'm a valuable player and I can. You know, play in today's game with ease, and and I just there's just you know that opportunity to be waiting for me to go in and um, accomplish that when it's time for me and my and my feet are in that place as far as uh, spiritually, and uh, when the opportunity presents itself. And and so, Daz, you know, kind of kind of going off the Mike Elias question from earlier, you know, uh, w- what was kind of going through your mind? Obviously, uh, the Orioles claimed you off waivers last winter. Um, so, like, what was kind of going through your mind when you first saw that you'd be heading heading to Baltimore and be part of this organization? Um, I knew that it was there was going to be a lot of competition, and I, and you now feel as far as heading to spring training, and I knew that it would make me a better baseball player from the first step. You know that I walk in the clubhouse, and that was my initial my initial thought. Um, and I was just been coming off of a season, you know, in Detroit where you know a lot there a lot of the organization uh, guys that made some changes and thought that Baltimore would be a perfect change of scenery for me to go in and continue to um, build my career and my journey with Baltimore here. So glad that I'm able to do that now. Uh, being yeah. down, yeah, being down there in spring training, uh, what was it like to kind of work with some of the guys? You know, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, all, all those, all those uh, big league guys. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a blessing. Uh, understanding, you know, what their approach was and how they kind of, you know. Um, go about their business. I was able to see that. Um, I was able to talk to Cedric uh, a little bit about how he's how he's able to continue his routine throughout the day and what things that, you know, get him going. And um, he's obviously, you know, one of the, you know, best guys, better guys in the, in the league as far as defense, d- defense and uh, offense. And so for me to talk to him, that was definitely a plus. And uh, to see Austin Hayes do his thing, man, I've learned a little bit about seeing him watch his game grow in the past couple of years. And, it was just all the, you know, I was just taking it all in, man, just to be able to speculate and then, you know, add some things to my game that uh, maybe didn't have at that time. And I think that for for me, that was just the mentality of staying staying strong and being able to, and working my way back to the big leagues Daz, and to be a player, to Daz, be a player that could be, you know, productive. Daz, if so. you if you were playing every day in the big leagues, I know you can probably play all three outfield positions. Are you like your dad? Are you a center fielder? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that I play center field, but I, you know, I play all, every position. Um, 
I, I, put, I take, you know, pride in my game as far as, like, uh, defense um, and making sure that the ball doesn't, doesn't drop. That's kind of something something that I brought over to, you know, from Detroit with me when we had, you know, some outfitters you can go out there and catch it catch it deep in the deep in the field. So I think that, um, you know, the, the same thing is uh, is what I'm trying to do and trying to accomplish doing that. But as far as uh, uh, my game, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of symbolize my game similar to my dad, but, mm-hmm. you know, I try to be myself, man, and just continue to do that. So, But, yeah, he's, uh, he's good, and there's some things that I've learned along the way as far as, you know, shagging and BP and how to, you know, um, set yourself up to to take the right routes and be able to touch steps. But um, yeah, definitely, man. I, was, I mean, these these guys are the best for a reason. I'm glad that I'm able to attest my name to that. Speaking speaking of your dad, by the way, uh, longtime major league outfielder Mike Cameron, what what has it done for your career? Your being a, a kid that used to hang out in big league locker rooms did that sort of take the awe out of it you you knew what guys are like and what the grind is like uh yeah definitely um i just knew you know from you know from you know 10 to 12 you know i was around you know clubhouse and, and the things that i learned um as far as the game was about you know it was just being ready to play and what guys did during their routine i mean the game itself didn't really change in that they um the men, the mentality you know with the working hard and one and, and being making sure that you're you know constantly doing your work um was definitely something that you know every guy you know needed to do in order to definitely keep their stuff in shape for a long season and those were the little things that I learned over the course of time to continue to um master my game. I mean, we talked about you know being down there in spring training, but I mean the way the Tides have been playing this year, they've they've got one of the best AAA teams in all of in all of uh, in all of AAA, all of base, all of minor league baseball. Um, and so, what's it like to be part of that clubhouse? Being being alongside, playing alongside guys that are, you know are no doubt just as hungry as you to get to the big leagues. Oh man, definitely. I mean, we all we all you know uh, we're all definitely um, we're all definitely ready to continue to you know compete. And I mean. It's just an environment, you know, a great environment, you know, to have, you know, these guys, you know, everyone's wanting to uh, definitely, you know, um, make a name for themselves. And uh, you can see that, you know, from the top of the lineup to the, you know, to the end of the bench, you know, we got a lot of guys that um, want to play, in, you know, in the league and, and are willing to do what it takes to, to do so, you know, as far as um, winning. And you can see that uh, a lot of everyone is ready to, compete at some at some some point in the big league so the, as uh we're we're in, you know first place for for a reason triple a and uh we got a good manager that's you know allowed himself to you know coach coach good in, in different situations that allow you know players to uh play at a you know high rate you know when he when he coaches when he obviously we can see that from what he's coached but um yeah, man, definitely. I mean, not everyone is uh, everyone is is up to beat. Everyone's up to beat in Norfolk. Hey, Daz, we had you on. We wanted to talk to you about you, but I got to ask you about a couple teammates that you've got down there at Norfolk. P- put your scouting hat on and tell me a little bit about what's special about two players, Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo. 
Oh yeah, they're they're gonna be you know they're gonna be special players, man. I mean, just to be able to just see them go about their day. I mean, they're they're professionals. I mean, you've seen guys that who are you know very productive and can do you know uh, some special things on the field, and I can definitely say that they're gonna be some guys that can do that. Um, obviously, um, you got even uh, Norby Connor Norby. He's been yep. he's been in, improving, and uh, he can hit. And I think that uh, a lot of his game is uh, is good, and uh, as well as Joey Ortiz. Joey so, Ortiz, and, I left them both out. Yeah. 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 So, but definitely, um, there's a lot of guys, man, that can that are, that are going to be high productive players. I think in, in my uh, in my head, but uh, um, we'll definitely we'll definitely continue to grow, and we'll see. But as far as like now, Chester, man, he's I mean, I think he he just he, him as a baseball player catches my eye. From the way that he drives the ball, um, but uh, you know they're all, they're they're going to be good players, man. I think. Hey, give for me the years to come, Daz. Before we let you go, let me just ask you one question about pitching. Give me one pitcher at Norfolk that we might not really know about, and you oh. say this guy's going to be pretty good. A pitcher, a starting pitcher. Um, I definitely, if I could say right now, uh, I mean, a lot of us, the pitchers that we, we have went up to the, went up to Baltimore Orioles. Grayson yeah. Rodriguez was a guy that was just, he was yeah. just a shutout guy. Okay. I mean, That's a tougher he, question. It's yeah. a tougher question. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Go ahead. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Noah, maybe, uh, Noah DeNorio. Uh, okay. Okay, that's a and good he's answer. A guy that can, he's a guy that can, you know, he he throws a lot of strikes uh, in the strike zone. He's able to, you know, make weak contact throws throws to make weak for weak contact. Uh, a couple other guys that are that I see, you know, that could possibly, you know, be some some horses, okay, some studs to be able to lean on. But um, I think there's a, there's some in the making. So let's just keep an eye out, guys. All right, you just got. <laughs> You just got Cade Povich, who was acquired by the Orioles last year, but I doubt you've seen him yet. Mm-hmm. Griffin's got one more question for you, and then we're going to let you get back to life as a baseball player. And that's exactly what my question is going to be about. Be about Stan. Good, good segue there. But yeah, yeah. we we, we want to try to get to get to know Daz a little bit better. What are you doing on you know a day off? Like what what are some of your hobbies that you're doing on a Monday when uh, when you're not playing baseball, Daz? Uh, most of the time, I just you know I'll go to the mall, walk around the mall a little bit, and then kind of just. See, see things uh, what's around me just to get my keep my legs moving, get the blow, the blood flowing in my legs uh, for the next day. Um, but after that, I'm just I'm coming back to the house to relax and chill, and then watch some TV and maybe stretch a little bit after that. And then if there's something exciting, I'll do. I'll, I'll probably go and and walk around the park and just you know go venture seeing. That's something that you know I'm, I'm always into. I'm into nature, so I like things like that. Nice. Yeah. What what are you watching on TV typically? Uh, most of the time I watch uh Netflix. I watch any show that's on. Um, not any in, in particular. I'm gotcha. just kind of most most of the time like a guy that watches pretty much anything action. You know. Uh, gotcha. A uh, law study of law show like a law show. Oh, okay. Trying right. someone trying to figure out who who is the victim and the little things like that. Like that interests me to you know be able to dissect that part of the. You know the movie, but um, if, yeah. If somebody wants to, like 
if somebody wants to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle? Uh, my handle is dad underscore Cameron sixteen. Okay. So, yep. Follow me. And, you know, give me, give me, a, give me a follow, and be sure to maybe tweet, tweet you. All right. Sounds good, Daz. Really appreciate you joining the show. Okay, and good luck the rest of this season and in the rest of your uh, still blooming career. All right. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Daz. <laughs> All right, there we have it. Daz Cameron. Hey, uh, I've changed up the format for my weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 4 o'clock, I'll be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box Managing Editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, myself and Gary Stein will still chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports this week. They chatted with Superbook. Well, that's, that's last week. This coming week, uh, next Thursday, right? Last This week, we talked well, to Rob night. Ambrose. Yeah, yeah. We well, talked well, to him so last Wednesday week. night. Yeah. We changed it to Wednesday night this week. But next Thursday, we're going to talk to John Kelly, Ooh. who's one of the, from the Kelly family. Uh, he is one of the ch- Kelly benefits. He is one of the uh, – he's the chair of – of the cycling classic coming oh, okay. up Labor nice. Labor Day weekend. Excellent. We'll talk to him next Thursday at Thursday. The O's play the Yankees starting tonight. Three night games, by the yeah, way. Reminder yeah. a lot that of- Sunday is night baseball. We're going to take a timeout uh, right now, and when we get back, we'll be joined by Joe Battaglia, head football coach at Concordia Prep. We'll be right back. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one gambler. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to Easy Pass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. 
another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Stan The Fan back here on the show. Again, my uh, last day of the week. Uh, Glenn Clark back in Monday after a week with the family uh, down in, uh, what's it, Dewey or Bethany? Is he Dewey or Bethany? Bethany. Bethany, Okay. Uh, it's been a pleasure sitting in. Appreciate the opportunity by Glenn. Also, uh, want to thank Ken Zalis for helping out. He did the shows Wednesday and Thursday. I did Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. We are about to close out the week talking to an old friend, uh, the son of uh, somebody who was very special to me, and that's uh, Buzz Battaglia, the late Buzz Battaglia. We are now joined by his son, Joe Pataglia, head coach at Concordia Prep. Joe, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Happy uh, Mo Gabba Day, fellas. Is today Mo Gabba Day? It is. Okay. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I saw it, the ads for it quite a bit. Speaking of Mo, who's no longer with us, Joe, uh, your dad was a terrific friend to me and a terrific friend to the sports community in general at large. Uh, does a day go by you don't think of Buzz, Coach Buzz? Not a chance. Not a chance. And those are certainly happy thoughts. It's hard for a day to go by where someone doesn't remind me uh, of Coach of my dad, Coach Buzz, as well. Um, obviously just a, a big guy in the community that, that really cared a lot about mostly kids and, and using sports as a vehicle to, to help kids you know, be put into good situations. So, Certainly not. I was extremely lucky uh, to have a, a dad like that, and also he, he coached me throughout the years as well. So, how's your mom uh, doing? Certainly. How's your mom doing? She's doing well. Good. Doing really well. Please tell her yeah. I said hello. Okay. 
I certainly will. Uh, tell me the impact Buzz had on you. Would you be a football coach? Is there a chance in hell you'd be a football coach without Buzz being your dad? I don't think so. Um, you know, as you, as you know, my dad sold auto parts and he, and he coached football. Yep. And so my brother kind of went into the automotive realm. He, he yep. latched onto that in the business world. And I kind of latched onto the football piece pretty aggressively from the time I was a kid. I was just kind of a, a football junkie. And so, you know, always just riding around with him all day long. I was the last of six kids, but just with his impact, it's almost like he had thousands and thousands of kids. And so I was always on the field with him, all the different places that he coached and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, it was almost like it was, it was set from the start Joe, <laughs> to, we've, to be we've... a football coach. Joe, we've got Griffin Bass in here, and I'm going to turn it over to him to ask you some questions really about your team, okay? But I do want to ask you, a lot of people get their dream job, and I think you're pretty close to have your dream job now, but it wasn't always this easy for you and your family. Tell us where you've been. What's the dot the, Put the pins on the map for Joe Battaglia's coaching career. Ben, I don't know if you have a, I don't know if you're up against the break. It's going to take a while on that one, but uh, I'll try to speed isn't it about, it Isn't it about five or six places, or is it twelve? <laughs> it has been. Yeah, okay. it's uh, you know pretty much every level of college football started out really just volunteering at Towson University with Coach Combs. Um, took a Division three uh, you know intern job for a couple thousand dollars at Juniata College. Um, we started the program at Stevenson 2010. I was on the first staff there. Um, been out to Midwestern State in Texas, Bethany College, West Virginia. The Naval Academy was where I was most recently prior to, like you said, taking my dream job right here uh, in our community at Concordia Prep. Pretty good. Yeah, Coach Joe, I mean, uh, so I got to know you pretty well last season. Obviously spent a lot of time uh, covering the uh, covering the Concordia Prep Saints with you guys as the play-by-play voice, which was uh, so much fun and to, to see how you guys kind of grew over the season. Um, obviously didn't end the way you wanted to, but kind of, you know, tell uh, everybody else kind of what you're building over there uh, at, at Concordia Prep and, and the uh, and the Beltway Boys, as you guys call yourselves. For sure. Um, I, you know, we've talked a little bit about my past here. You know, I went to Gilman, played here, and, and I, you know, Went to high school at a really good private school, small school setting uh, that had really good athletics, and so that's why I saw you know Concordia Prep is such a such a great place to kind of sink our teeth into and take a program over. And so, I mean, that's what we're doing is we're trying, like I said, much like my dad did, right, is just try to use football as a vehicle to propel kids to the next level or to to put the the proper um, skills into them and, and the work ethic and whatnot to, to help them be successful when they leave here. And so, you know, we've, we've had a really, you know, a great amount of success. I've got, a, you know, I'm, I'm the head coach, but I've got great people around me that have helped us kind of propel this program to the next level. Um, you know, we've had back-to-back championship game appearances ranked in the top 10 in the state the last two years. Um, but most importantly, preparing young men uh, for the next level, both academically and athletically. So we've had a lot of success with our kids being recruited out of the program as well. And so it's just it's just been an awesome start, but we're looking to get better and better every year. Yeah, 2020, the 2021 B Conference champs uh, and then the runners-up last year. And, you know, so uh, what, uh, how, how are you guys going to get back to being uh, conference champs again this, uh, this upcoming season? For sure. Um, I think, you know, we were a really young team last year. We had really, really talented older players, but as a whole, the program was very, very young. So we were a little bit more seasoned. Obviously, you learn from failures as well. And we, we didn't win the last one, which is the most important one to win. And so I think our kids have been hungry with that. And uh, 
you know, I think every year you go back and you review everything you did and try to get a little bit better at what you did. So we're, we're changing things around, um, as well as just making sure that we're, we're all set and ready to go and, and fueled up to, to compete for another championship. Uh, what are some of the games uh, that you got coming up on the schedule uh, for, for this season, 2023? Sure. We open up uh, home against Gilman uh, August 26th, which will be a great matchup. Um, and then following that, that following week, Friday, uh, at home again against the A-conference champion, Archbishop Spalding, here at Concordia Prep as well. Uh, so two, two big openers to start, which uh, is really home? exciting for us in the program. Those are both at home? Yes, they are. Nice. nice. Joe, let me ask you a question. Now that you've been there a few years and you've built your program to what it is, you played for MAA, MIAA championship last year. Is it harder to – is it kind of like the golf game? Is, is it harder to build – or harder to sustain? It's a great question. Um, you know, as, as we're, I'm, I'm learning this as I go too. Uh, I do think that the nature of sports, no matter whether it's high school sports or you've seen it at the pro level, right? Once you win a championship, it's really hard to go win it again, right? Just because there's a different, you know, I mean, we're human beings. So some kids, you know, at times get, get complacent or, or think, you know what I mean? They think that it becomes easy and those type of things. So it's just a different, I wouldn't say one is harder than the other because it's certainly hard to build, especially in a league that we play in that's so talented and so competitive. Um, you, and everybody knows it, right? All these schools have been doing it for a long time and doing it really, really well and competing at a national level. So it's, it's difficult to build, especially in this league, um, but it's, it's very, very difficult to sustain as well. So different, a different challenge, but I don't know that one's tougher than the other. It's, all, it's hard to win football games <laughs> no matter what you're doing. Your reasonable expectations are a return to the uh, to the conference championship game this year, Coach. For sure, I mean that's that's our goal every year is to win the win the league. Uh, you know, I've just I've always felt that way. Like that that should be your goal is to win the league that you play in. So that that will never change. Um, we we added a goal this year is to to beat uh, Lehigh Long Island Lutheran up in New York, um, which is a renewed rivalry that they played uh, back in the day here, and that's one of the top teams in that area of New York. Um, and so we've rekindled that, that rivalry. So we've added a, a second goal this year is to not only just win the championship, but also uh, beat Long Island Lutheran what is and win that, the Lutheran Cup. What is that like to have a, a, a rivalry? Does it, does it help fire up the club to, to have a, a goal that's got some emotion attached to it too? I think it definitely does. I think it's, that's one of the greatest parts about sports is rivalries, especially the game of football. Um, and so I think it's hard not to be up for, for a game like that where you, you got a trophy on the line and, and you know that that other team is working all off season to try to beat you and, and whatnot. And I've been really fortunate in my time to be a part of some really, really awesome rivalries. Uh, you know, going to Gilman, Gil McDonough is an incredible rivalry that, you know, I grew up, you know, hating McDonough. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I was fortunate to, uh, play in some coaching the army Navy game, which is a unique rivalry as there is in all sports. Um, as well as some really cool lower level, maybe some of you don't know, like Juniata versus uh, Susquehanna Uni- uh, University, where the battle for the goalpost trophy. So they're really cool experiences. It's cool to kind of develop that, but then also develop a, a respect and a, and a sportsmanship aspect to those rivalries. Um, and that's something that I really learned from, like I said, the Gilman McDonough game, as well as Army Navy. It's, you know, for 300, you know, 360. Five days a year, you hate them, and then all of a sudden, you know, those Army and Navy, you know, when they leave that place, they become teammates in, in the support of our country. So 
pretty cool aspect to that. Uh, what should people know uh, about you know as as Concordia Prep kind of kind of grows and gets more put on this uh, on the map uh, here here in the the local high school sports scene? What should people know about home football games at Concordia Prep? I think it's a really cool environment. You know, we're we're a you know small quaint. We're not the biggest stadium in the world or anything like that, which is actually kind of cool because you're you're elbow to elbow in this place. Um, we have a nice little niche on Friday afternoons that, you know, you'll see we, we often have a lot of the other teams in the league will come watch us play um, at that time if they're playing on Saturday or later Friday night. And so we've got I'll, – I'll put our concession stand up against anybody else's concession stand. So we've got great food, a great environment, ton of energy. Obviously, we've had great live stream situation with, with you get, making the calls with, with Miles as well as uh, Pastor Kowser on the PA. So we tr- – we try to make it a really cool environment, and we're doing it even more so this year. So I, I got. Um, I was going to ask you as a last question: Can you talk a little yep. bit about the radio broadcast? What they did? I hear that that was the key to your season last year. I mean, it's it's definitely it definitely helps us for sure. Um, no, uh, basically, AC Sports uh, was a parent here in COVID. Um, we we needed a way to be able to show parents the games because they weren't going to let uh, spectators to the games, and so we. You know, through a lot of volunteer help, um, you know, we kind of put something together and it's kind of grown every year. And uh, we, we do a full broadcast. We, you know, we have a production meeting the day before. We have, we all, you know, Griffin does a great job of knowing who our kids are and what they're doing and calling the game. And, and Miles brings a great uh, perspective as well. And it's it shot great and all those type of things. And so, you know, it's, it's the first thing I do after the game is I go home and I, I watch it <laughs> again on the live stream. So, it's been an awesome experience for us. And really, you know, I mean, the spirit of athletics, you know, if you're, if, if somebody's aunt or grandmother, or whatever, can't make it to the game or dad has to work, they're able to, to share in that experience of our student athletes that are putting in all this effort to go play on Fridays and Saturdays. So it's been a, a, a massive tool for us in our, our community. Yeah, well, I appreciate that coach. Um, and yeah, no, just, but just to add, you know, the atmosphere of those games is, is really, really great uh, for, for local high school sports scene. I mean, it's right off, r- literally right off the beltway. The 695 is is like feet from the from the field, um, and you know when those cowbells get going, and and uh, everybody everybody really enjoys those games of uh, those Friday afternoons into the evening uh, at Concordia Prep, uh, right right here in Towson. Um, and coach, you know maybe is there is there maybe an under the radar player that maybe uh, we should all be on the lookout for once the season starts uh, 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 that we that we should be on the lookout for. I think there's there's quite a few because we, we graduated some high-profile guys and there's some really good players that maybe didn't get the ball as much last year because of those guys and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I could rattle off a bunch. Um, you know, a, a new addition to the team, Kevin Montague at, at running back. Um, he's going to be really explosive for us. Um, you know, Jalen Harkum had a tremendous year last year, so if you followed us closely, you know who Jalen Harkum mm-hmm. is. But maybe if you didn't, you, you don't as much in terms of high-profile, but he's one of the best wideouts in the league. Um, we've made some really good additions. And like I said, a lot of younger kids that are going to come into their own moving forward. And we've got a couple high profile. We have, we have a kid that transferred in from IMG, Ernest Wheeler. Wow. Um, he's, he's a five star. He's, he's ranked in the top 100 players in the country. So that's not quite under the radar, but, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, that'll be a new face out there as well. Yeah. Well, definitely got to check it out. Uh, I mean, you said you open up with Gilman and then Spalding. So two really high profile opponents the first couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to see those games and, uh, hopefully everybody else checks, checks them out too. Cool. Well, yeah. well thank Thanks, you guys coach. so much for having me on and being Thanks, able to coach. talk about Concordia. All Sorry, right. go ahead. We'll look forward to talking to you again and I'll look forward to coming out to a game this year. All right. Thanks for joining us, Coach. All right, Joe.
Take care. Thank Joe Battaglia, right. the head coach, very successful head football coach at Concordia Prep. And we thank Griffin for setting that up. Griff, we uh, got to get one more break in? That's correct. Yes, sir. Okay. I'll tell you that the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealers today. We'll be back and wrap things up with a tidbit, and uh, we'll go tubular as well. That's right. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com Maryland, be open. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 gambler. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Not exactly Glenn Clark. Stan the fan here, sitting in one Some last say better. Time. What's some, that? Some say better. Some some would say that. Some would say that. Some would say um, Glenn will be back on Monday. Thanks, Griffin, for doing such a great job on my three shows this week, and I'm sure you did an equally fine job with uh, Ken uh, Zalis. And now, just be honest with me. Don't be political. <laughs> Who did a better job? I mean, sitting in for Glenn. There really is. It's it. You can't compare, really. I mean, yeah. like you both bring very different, uh, very different strengths to the Meaning table. Like Ken really knows football, and I, I know a little bit about baseball. Yeah, you know a little bit about baseball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, you guys were both great. I think. Uh, I think we put on some. I think we put on five very, uh, very uh, entertaining shows for the for the listeners out there. And, well, uh, luckily for pleasure, the listeners, I had a pleasure shaking it up a little bit. All right. and, and luckily for the listeners out there, Glenn will be back mm. Friday, but it still leaves us. Time to get one more tidbit in and go tubular. Yeah, uh, Shohei Otani uh, yesterday. He, uh, I mean, he was pretty incredible. Uh, I think uh, you know one need, a complete game shutout in game one of a doubleheader against the Tigers, uh, and then two home runs literally less than an hour, or I guess it was about an hour later. He had two home runs right. in the game two of that of that uh, Angels Tigers doubleheader. Um, this one comes from Sarah Langs. Shohei is the fifth player ever to have a shutout, or sorry, excuse me, to, to, yeah, to throw a shutout and hit two home runs on the same day. He is the fifth player to ever do that. The other four all did it between 1961 and 1971. You think you can name a single one of them? Uh, Tony Cloninger. No, not Tony. Most recently, uh, on September 2nd, it was Sonny Seibert in 1971. Sonny Seibert. Seibert. Sonny that's, that's what I said, yes. Yeah. Okay. Sonny Siebert, uh, Rick Wise, threw a no-hitter uh, in 1971. And hit two home runs in that game. Yeah, okay. yep. Pedro Ramos in 1962, uh, and then Milt Pappas uh, in uh, in. I was going to guess you could have given me a clue. Oh, One of them was an Oriole. Okay. I would have guessed Milt Pappas. Milt Pappas uh, in 1961. So, so it happened four times between 61 and 71. And it Never hasn't before. happened since. Until Shohei yesterday. So 52 years. Yeah. That's a great yeah. tidbit. Where'd yeah. you find, where did you find a, these tidbits? This one's from Sarah Langs on Twitter. Uh, she's a great follow on. Uh, Langs on Sports is her uh, is her Twitter handle. She's a Sarah great. Langs is the one who has multiple Sclerosis, yes, Lugaric yes, disease. yes, yes, yeah. ALS, um, which is very sad. But she is, she's still, she's proof, great. She's, yeah, she's still grinding and uh, and gives us a lot of great, gives the gives the nerds like myself a lot of great uh, information. What do you just get it from following her? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, That's and, terrific. Uh, yeah, and then something like you know when Shohei does something like that yesterday, everyone's yeah. talking about it. But I watched yeah, hers... a good. I watched a good chunk of that. I was kind of like shocked. I was doing a bunch of different stuff. And I looked up and I go, "They're letting him pitch the eighth inning." <laughs> then I was doing some other stuff. <laughs> they're letting, said, him, pitch they're the letting him come out for the ninth. And they're playing him in game yeah. two. How many? How it's... many pitches did he throw in game one? Like I think 80, 100... 111? Yeah, something like that. He had eighty through seven, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Spencer Strider is having a very, very, uh, very, a, a very great season, especially strikeout wise. Uh, he became the third pitcher ever to, uh, the third player under the age of twenty-five to have two hundred strikeouts before. Or excuse me, he is the. Oh, he's got the third most strikeouts. He he will be. Well, actually, no, he's not going to pitch. Will he pitch again before the end of the month? He 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 has no, a chance to no. become the third no, pitcher today. ever. Uh, he pitched Wednesday night. He pitched, Wednesday night. he pitched Wednesday night. He pitched Tuesday night. Well, uh, I think it was Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Yeah. So Wednesday was the 24th. I can just check. Fourth. Yeah, I can just check. I don't know why I keep uh, trying. Yeah, we're, we're, he probably will get one more start in. 
Um, well, if he does and he records one strike, he's at 199 on the season. He will become the third pitcher under the age of 25 to reach 200 strikeouts uh, before the month, month of August. You think you can name the other two guys? Dwight Gooden? Not Dwight Gooden. 1971 is one of them. 1971. And these are rookie pitchers? They're under, they're under 25, 25 under, years yeah, under old. Under 25, yeah. What was the other year? Uh, 1912. <laughs> I'm not going to get the 1912 one. Walter Johnson had 200 strikeouts before the month of, month of August. Before the month of August. 1971. J.R. Richard? Not J.R. Richard. Let's see if I can give you a hint here. Give me, like, what league, first of all? National or American League? Uh, American League. American League. 200 strikeouts. 1971. Mm-hmm. That's too old for Sam McDowell. Uh, he was the MVP in Cy Young that year. 71? Yeah. Vita Blue. Vita Blue is correct. 219 strikeouts under the age of 25 and before the month of August uh, by Vita wow. Blue. Yeah. And, that, and now, wait a minute. Showhai's got that now? No, no, no. That's uh, Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider. I'm Spencer sorry. Strider. Yes. Spencer yeah. Strider. Yeah. Tidbit for the Tidbits you. Tidbits are... are convoluted to me in other words when i get to the i got the answers now and i couldn't even remember what the question was all right good job there hey what, thank you let's go tubular tubular sports wise uh obviously big biggest one tonight here in baltimore yankees and orioles at seven o'clock it is mo gabba day so they'll they'll we'll do some pregame there uh to, to honor right. the and, life and legacy of and mo adam gabba. jones is going to be the adam jones is going to catch the first pitch of the game sansi uh, but Mo's mom, Sansa uh, Gabba, Sansa, yeah. is going to throw out the first pitch, and Adam Jones is going to catch it. And Adam Jones really returning to the public eye. I know he does the podcast with Jerry Coleman, but he's really returning, and he's making a big splash out at Camden Yards tonight. That is correct. He is going to be manning uh, manning left field, the left field. Uh, he's going to be Captain seats. Splash. Mr. Splash. Mr. Splash. Yeah. Captain I mean, Captain I call Splash him Commander works. Splash. Commander Splash. Um, so that game's at seven on Masson. Garrett Cole versus Grayson Rodriguez. It's going to kick off, uh, which should be a very exciting series uh, bef- between the y- the Yanks and the O's. Right. Apple TV Plus tonight's going to have Angels, Blue Jays, and the Guardians and the White Sox. Uh, we talked to Jamie Watson, who does some of the NWSL uh, broadcasts. Uh, we talked to her earlier in the week. Um, tonight on NWSLsoccer.com is going to be the Gotham FC versus the Washington Spirit at 7. Jamie Watson not on the call for that game. I, and I when's believe, the U.S. next uh, women's game? The, I don't uh, think it's on Monday. Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Um, Anything it's not exciting this weekend with it? Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the games will continue along. Tomorrow morning is going to be at 6 a.m. France and Brazil. Uh, Panama, Jamaica at 8.30 in the morning. That is both on Fox. Fox Sports 1 will have Sweden and Italy at 3.30 in the morning, uh, which I know you'll stay up for that I'll one, right? I'll be up for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sweden and Italy at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, then also on Fox, the Orioles and Yankees are going to be uh, at 7.15, so another night game Saturday night. So Masson's only doing one game. I believe week. so, yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. Clark Schmidt and Tyler Wells tomorrow night. ESPN two. Tonight is tonight's Grayson versus Garrett Cole. Correct. Tomorrow's Wells versus Schmidt. Schmidt, and then Sunday. Sunday on Sunday night baseball is going Domingo to be Germain, uh, Luis Severino you know. and Dean Kramer. Okay. Yeah. Interesting matchups. Athletes United Lacrosse will be at five o'clock on ESPN two. That's going to be in Sparks from uh, from the USA Lacrosse facility in Sparks, Maryland. It's going to be at five o'clock on ESPN two on Saturday. Uh, ESPN Plus will have Atlas Chrome, Cannons Redwoods, uh, Saturday nights starting at 6. 
Um, there's going to be soccer or soccer golf uh, on uh, CBS between CBS and NBC and the Golf Channel. There's the PGA 3M, um, the Senior British Open on NBC, and then uh, L- the LPGA Evian Championship. Uh, that one will be early in the morning uh, on the Golf Channel. Uh, also Saturday night, big fight nights uh, for all the fight fans. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, me and KZ did. Um, is UFC, this UFC? Yes. UFC 291 is going to be Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje uh, headlining a, a very exciting card for the UFC. Uh, Showtime's going to have Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. The pay-per-view starts at 8, so that fight, like the walk, the, the ring walk will probably be around 10 p.m.-ish, 10.30-ish for Spence and Crawford. You watch those? Yeah, I, I, that one I will. Yeah, that yeah. one I will watch. The, are they pay-per-view? That one's pay-per-view. How yes. much are they? Uh, you know, too much. Um, so it might be 30? one of those. Might, no, no, more than that. More? Yeah, 50? More than that. More than that. The UFC, the UFC one I know is eighty. I think the bo- the Showtime boxing I think is yeah somewhere at least sixty or seventy. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a it's kind of a racket. Also on Showtime, Bellator, uh, uh, Bellator and Ryzen, uh, Pitbull uh, will fight AJ McKee. That one, the main card of that one, it starts at eleven. On, also on Showtime. I'll give you one bit of tubular. Myself, I watched uh, the the stream of uh, Jack Ryan, the final season. Mm, and season you concluded four. finally. How, yeah. And how? What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. I've enjoyed those. You know, they left open at you're, the very end. You're they, a big action guy. You like the. Uh, I like action yeah. stuff. Um, did you watch the new Mission Impossible? No, I haven't seen that yet. Okay. Um, Tom Cruise, as much as I end up enjoying his movies mostly, I'm not real big on su- on literally supporting a Scientologist. Sorry. Okay. That's, sorry. That's fair. If that yeah, wipes I'll, out I'll, some of our audience, I'm sorry. I did uh, see yeah, the viewer account just dropped by at least yeah. one there. I mean, uh, I would <laughs> probably rather support a Scientologist than a QAnon uh, person, but uh, that's sort of where I draw the line. Okay. Well, good yeah. to know. That's, I think but that's I hear, a fair line. I hear the new uh, Mission Impossible is terrific. Yeah, and I will watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I've, I'll, yeah. yeah, but uh, you know the earlier ones, uh, like the ones right before this one, I know were really good. Right. Um, right. On Sunday, uh, of course, on ESPN, the Yankees, Orioles, Luis Severino, Dean Kramer, seven o'clock starts Sunday night baseball on ESPN prime time. The only baseball game going on uh, in here in Camden Yards. So get out there, check it out. Uh, one last thing though, I have watched the first. I have Apple TV. Watched the first two episodes about four weeks ago of Hijack. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm th- I'm not liking waiting a week, so I've kind of waited for it to end. Now I can go back, and I think it's four or five more episodes. I there's hear there's pretty- one left. There's one left. So there. Uh, oh, there's you're, one you're, left. Yeah, so you're... I'll wait another week. Yeah, right. Wednesday night I think will yeah. be the fi- the season one finale. Yeah. yeah. Have you watched it? I haven't watched it yet. I, it is one that I want to check out. Though. Very yeah. entertaining. Yeah, it looks it looks very pretty good. Um, Sunday morning, I guess not morning, but at noon, the Peacock game is Angels Blue Jays. Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse again at five o'clock on ESPNU. Again in Sparks, uh, Water Dogs Archer is going to be on ABC. Uh, for the World Cup, Fox is going to have South Korea Morocco at 12:30 a.m. So that'll be like Sunday night, or excuse me, Saturday night um, into Sunday morning. Switzerland, New Zealand at 3 a.m. Japan and Spain will be late Sunday night, 3 a.m. Monday morning. Fox Sports One also is going to have Norway, Philippines, Germany, Colombia, um, and Costa Rica, Zambia. Um, and yeah, as far as the sports highlights, the rest just go to glennclarkradio.com. Aston Villa and Brentford will be at 12 on USA. Uh, Chelsea Fulham at 245. Both those games from FedEx Field in D.C. I know Ken Zalas will be there. Um, the non-sports for you. Uh, pulling those up for you on Apple TV Plus. The Beanie Bubble. So this is a new movie with Zach Galifianakis. Uh, he shaved his beard, so I didn't even know it was him for most of the trailer. 
Um, but he shaved his beard and he is like an arrogant but like funny kind of like CEO CEO of like this toy company, I think. The trailer was kind of confusing. And what's the name of it? Beanie the Beanie Bubble. The Beanie Bubble. Yeah, it's on Apple TV Plus. Check it out if if you feel so inclined. Netflix, uh, I think that this is a series about you, Stan. It's how to become a cult leader. And you how about how to become a cult leader? Yeah, because you're. I mean, you, you you lead the Stan Charles cult, so yeah, yeah. So that's one will be. It's a docu series on Netflix, um, just about how to how cults start. I guess I, I don't know why we need more, um, more more <laughs> more coverage for cults, but but I guess we do. Uh, this, this Shark Week will wrap up on Sunday, um, as well as on Sunday, part three of the Goliath uh, documentary docu series on uh, Wilt Chamberlain on Showtime and Righteous Gemstones new episode, of course. Uh, the rest go to glennclarkradio.com. I realized something. I'm in the middle of doing my grid, mm. so there's a spoiler alert I'm going to give for 10 seconds. Okay? 10, 9, okay, just give it. 8, 7, just give us the 6. Detroit Tiger, Pittsburgh Pirate. I did end up, I really wasn't 100% sure. Bill Madlock, 3% played ah. for Tigers, Pirates. That's a good one. Good one. Good job. But I realized my biggest fault as a immaculate grid player as an immaculate is, is no is not knowing a thing about the rockies yeah i cannot they just don't come into my i can, you can name like three rockies all time it's yeah. like todd helton yep ubaldo larry walker and that's probably about it yeah how <laughs> um, about the manager clint hurdle there you go bud black now yeah those guys i, know, I, like, I think well, you should be able to use a manager Maybe you can try it here. Yeah. No, nah, I'm not going to try. I'm waste. I've got two guesses to go. i got to come up with a pirate Rocky and a red and a Rocky. Okay? Cincinnati and Rocky. I don't think the red Rocky exists. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't think What's it exists. that? Uh, a red Rocky can't exist. I, I can't I can't think of any. Okay. Did, did LeMay, who ever played for the Reds? No, I don't think. No. I don't think it works. No. I don't think red Asian. Rockies works. Those no. teams just don't ever. I don't think there's anybody that ever. Yeah. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Luke picked up on this about three weeks ago when I first started doing it. Is he, he destroying says, you? you got to know middle inning relievers. Yeah, that's true. And that's really what the truth of it is. All right. Again, uh, many thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, Glenn back Monday. I will be back Monday at 4 o'clock with a trade deadline special. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zoom with uh, Ross Grimsley and Luke Jackson. I'll also be on with the boys tomorrow at around 10.25 for about 20 minutes. All right? Awesome. That does it for us this week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye.